0: Cars toppled buildings entire, and tires just crushed and
1: crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this
0: nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. <laughs> Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and Firestormfan.com. I'm one of your hosts, theory Mobile Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my combustible co-host, Mr. Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy?
1: Firestorm
0: <laughs> what, whatever could you be talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Just a little something that happened, uh, just to pull back the curtain a bit. Last night, as we record this, so yes, uh, the Nuclear Man, uh, nu- the Nuclear Nuclear Man—that's I think how you say it—he has uh, gone live action, and not only have we seen Ronnie Raymond, not only have we seen the burning, he has named himself. He said, as Rob just said, Firestar. Mm. So, woohoo! So hot dog. So, that's so you're dust. up. You're up to date. So that was the mid-season finale of The Flash last night. Uh, what'd you think of it?
1: Well, do we want to do InStock Trades first?
0: Well, yeah, we should thank our sponsor. Jeez, man, you're always in my way when I'm trying to get this done. So, folks,
1: I'm uh, all about the business.
0: All about the business. <laughs> it's about the Benjamins, which it's not really Benjamins. Just so we're perfectly. It's fair on Just, that, just ones and zeros moving
1: back and <laughs> forth. All that it is.
0: This episode of the Firewater Podcast is sponsored in part by InStock Trades. In stock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob?
1: No big story this week. No no big backstory. I'm just picking a really good comic. She-Hulk, the new series, which unfortunately has just been cancelled, but nevertheless doesn't make it any less good. She-Hulk Volume 1, Law and Disorder by Charles Sewell, Javier Polito, and Ronald Wimberly. 136 pages. It collects She-Hulk uh, issues 1 through 6, the normal price is $15.99. The inside price price is $9.27, 42% off. This is a great comic, super fun. Uh, it, it, it's like a sitcom. Like a, a, and I don't mean it in a pejorative way. It, it's like a sitcom. It, I'm, it, the fact that this has not been transferred into a TV show yet is sort of amazing because the premise is so perfect. It's Jennifer Walters operating her law, a new you know hanging out her shingle as a lawyer but in the form of she-hulk and she basically deals with the other members of the marvel universe who have legal problems <laughs> i love this comic from the beginning and the artwork is gorgeous it's just great all around i i'm so sad that it, it didn't last but pick up the first trade it clicks one through six for nine dollars and 27 cents you can't beat it
0: isn't uh is, is uh is matt murdoch in it at any point uh not the ones i read oh okay I think the whole Marvel line is getting canceled, aren't they? So maybe
1: something like that. I mean, She-Hulk is coming back; they're bringing it back in, in a different book. Marvel does that; they're constantly canceling and bringing, starting over at number one. So maybe this won't be gone forever, this form or something. But but you know, in this in this specific, specific incarnation, it's going away. But gotcha. uh, these are these are really fun comics.
0: Well, I picked something uh, tipping our hat towards what we're going to be covering this episode. After we talk about Firestorm and Flash, we're going to talk about um, our Star Wars trailer. And some of the feed, your, your feedback from the Star Wars episode we did. So I picked some Star Wars trade paperbacks by Dark Horse. These are the X-Wing Rogue Squadron trade paperbacks. Rob, I, I had mentioned to you during the Star Wars episode how good the X-Wing Rogue Squadron novels were. Right. Well, the same guy, Michael Stackpole, was involved with some of the comics as well. And so the Rogue Squadron comics tie in very nicely to the novel. So right now on Instar Trades, there's um, at least four that I came across very quickly that are the easy to find, so mandatory retirement, masquerade. And oh actually, never mind. It's uh, just two. I apologize. It's Masquerade listed three times. I didn't realize that until just now. Anyway, Mandatory Retirement and Masquerade are both out there. X-Wing Rogue Squadron from Dark Horse. They normally retail for $12.95 a piece. You can get them for a Magic 42% off. You can get those for $7.51. These are some great comics. If you love Star Wars and you love you know, uh, dogfight action, these are fun, fun comics. So Definitely check these out. They get Shag's endorsed stamp of approval, and if you want to get them, get them now, because after December 31st, I don't know how available these things are going to remain, because if I understand right, Dark Horse can't sell Star Wars comics after that, right? Ooh!
1: That's a hit in a breadbasket, isn't it?
0: Right, so, I mean, if you want to get them, either get them now, or you're going to be getting them on the aftermarket sooner or later, so... Anyway, alright folks, again, that's InStockTrades.com, your best online, online source for trades, hardcovers, and all other collected editions, all for up to 42% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Okay, so yes, we are going to talk about Firestorm on Flash, we are going to talk about the Star Wars trailer, we are going to talk about your Star Wars feedback, and we are going to do your feedback from episode 100, our episode 100, that is. Seems so long ago. It does feel like a long time ago, but really, it's only a couple months, so... Um, Firestorm on flash, so Ronnie Raymond, this is like the third time Ronnie Raymond has shown up. I guess the first time was a flashback where we met Ronnie and his fiance as when he was engaged to Caitlin and when he supposedly died and then last week we saw Ronnie for just a brief moment where he was appeared to be like a you know homeless street person, and he just said you know something to the effect of like i'm not cold and he f- and he flamed on essentially. Uh, for lack of a better term, but I mean, that's really what it looks like. It looks like he's human-torching it, you know? Then last night, on The Flash, which was the mid-season finale, we're going to talk spoilers here, folks. We're going to talk big spoilers. So if you don't want the season finale, mid-season finale spoiled, you need to jump forward about ten minutes, I think. Is that fair to say, Rob?
1: Yeah. Is, I, is something a spoiler if it's already aired? Is that
0: yeah, a if someone hasn't watched I, it yet.
1: Uh, I guess so. All right.
0: Yeah, cuz we're not just going to talk about Firestorm. We're going to talk a little bit right. about the Flash right. mid-season finale itself, too. Okay. So, um let's do the Firestorm stuff first. So, we get to see Firestorm, Kalen sees Firestorm, he, you know, he says the words Firestorm to her and uh and, and towards the end, he someone pointed <laughs> this out, Firestorm backs up the Flash, like a flash backup and and helps Flash out when he's fighting Reverse Flash. So, you know, because Firestorm appeared in the Flash comic as a backup strip, so here Firestorm got to operate as Flash's backup, which is pretty funny, actually. So, you're supposed to be laughing at that.
1: Oh, okay. Thanks for oh, telling me. Pull,
0: Pulling that big man. <laughs> that is correct, sir. <laughs> so, and um, now let's talk about the, the character himself. I mean, what, what did you think of his look?
1: Well, I mean, I loved his uh, white snake hairdo that he had as, as he is as the homeless man. He's just got like Tony Catane writhing around on a hood. Uh, no, I mean, it's funny. I said a couple, whatever the other one was, where they did the origin r- where he's trapped in the thing, and I said it was kind of Doctor Manhattan like. Yeah. Well, this is even to me. This is continuing that because Doctor Manhattan in Watchmen, like his corporeal form as like a nerve a series of nerve endings, kept like haunting the facility before he fully formed his body. And this is kind of what it feels like that Ronnie's walking around this sort of as this weird fiery ghost guy, not mm. quite able to talk to anybody. It feels very Dr. Manhattan. Again, it's not a bad thing. It's just to me, it's continuing on with that sort of feel to it. Um, I thought it was people in TV shows are so like thick skinned where what's her name? Ronnie's girlfriend. Caitlin. Caitlin. She sees this scary guy and she rec- – does she recognize that it's Ronnie? Do you think – she never I said – she
0: did. I think she okay. – when she saw his reflection
1: in the car. Right. She, she turns around running. and – yeah. go- but she goes around the wall and there he's standing there. So there's this scary dude and he's on fire mm-hmm. and she runs and then just runs around the corner and stops. as opposed to like just running as far as you could she's just sort of like oh okay I'm safe here a full five feet away it's fine Um,
0: (laughs) well uh, she she has seen a lot of stuff in the uh, Well, that is true and she is thinking it's Ronnie
1: yeah I mean I've said this again I've said this before the Flash I'm amazed how ambitious this Flash show is I mean they are doing a ton of stuff and this show is what 11 episodes old
0: Um, I think 9
1: is it 9 maybe 10 maybe 10 uh, I mean, that's that's amazing to me that in just ten episodes, they've already introduced Firestorm. Which, but <laughs> oh, well, that's the fact that they're even doing it at all. Uh, and then Reverse Flash, and
0: what else they've done? Captain Cold, Cold Weather Wizard, Weather Wizard, I Multiplex, mean, Plastique, yeah, Multiplex, G- General Eiling. It, oh, yeah, that's impressive. Uh, I mean, it's, well, no, what? It was the Kurgan playing him, thank you very much.
1: It's. it's uh, it, it, they are really swinging for the fences. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that's pretty impressive.
0: Well, and, yeah, and you look at what they're doing over in Arrow. I mean, they've introduced the Atom, they've got, you know, Raja Ghoul. I mean, all this stuff's going on. It's just, wow. They're really, really, really taking this as far as they can, which is very impressive. Uh, with, with Ronnie Raymond as Firestorm, it's funny, people are knocking the hair. People, everyone's knocking the hair I don't mind the hair Maybe it's just because I was a headbanger in the 80s I don't know
1: Here I go again on my own
0: <laughs> You know who he actually looks like? He looks like Ronnie Raymond did During uh, the Extreme Justice series when he, oh, well, let's, when he was Ron Ray The underwear model <laughs> 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 Which is hysterical So
1: Make sure to duplicate
0: that I'm sure he's going to cut his hair, at some if he regains his senses, that is. I mean, it's possible he may be a, a total mess the whole time. But sooner or later we get to find out that Professor Stein's in his head. I'm assuming Stein's already in his head. We don't know that for certain, but it just no, seems to be no. the most logical thing. I think we talked through this before, or I, I talked about it with somebody somewhere, I don't know. Anyway, it seems to make sense that Victor Garber's already in his head, which is why he's so confused and doesn't really know who he is. Now, a lot of people have been talking about, myself included, Ronnie's powers. So far, we saw last night an amazing shot of Firestorm flying away, which, dude, my jaw dropped when that happened. I was sitting there just, I was watching it with my family. My family, when they watch these shows, they tend to watch the show and me at the same time. Right, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's almost yeah. like I'm half the show for them. <laughs> and, you know, how's he going to react? How's he going to react? You know, and... I'm relatively calm during these things because for the most part is. I mean I'm sitting there with my wife and my two children and I'm – you know, and it's – I don't freak out and scream at the screen because also the minute the show is over, it's like, wow, that was amazing. I got to go do the dishes and tuck in my daughter and get the house settled as fast as I can <laughs> so then I can go on the internet and talk to people. So it's – you know, real life kicks in immediately after the show's over. So anyway – I I did, again, jaw did drop when he flew. I was like, oh my gosh, I did not expect him to fly. I really didn't think they would give him that power in the series. I figured that was going to be too much, you know, because it's a very street level kind of show. So I was very surprised. But the the big thing that everyone talks about now is is the fire powers. Yes, Firestorm has flaming hair. We all know that. Beyond that, he has no power over flames. (laughs) Whatsoever except during the elemental period, which is really nothing to do with what we're seeing here. So, the fact that he's shooting flames and everything, not, it looks cool, it, it certainly makes sense for the name, it's great for the, for the show, it's very effective, I'm not opposed to it, but it has really nothing to do with Firestorm. One person suggested on Instagram today that perhaps it's not so much flames as it's force, because he blasts reverse flash and instead of reverse flash catching fire he just gets knocked down that's true but it could also have been he was vibrating so he protected himself somehow i don't don't know it certainly seems like it's flame powers you know it really does so hopefully i don't know if we're going to see transmutation or not simply because it's it's sort of a wish fulfillment power it almost makes him too powerful i've always said that about the comics is that really firestorm works because ronnie's not too bright? You know, once you give someone who's pretty intelligent that power with the transmutation, they could pretty much take over the world in real fast. So, I don't know. It's 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 kind of funny to sit there and go, "Well, they they used his name. And not sure what else." <laughs> but I don't know. That's the cynic in me. I'm very happy about it. I'm very excited to see Firestorm. It's I never. I, how many times have we talked on this show? I mean, if someone were to go back and listen to the back catalog of the show. I probably said we will never see a live-action Firestorm a dozen times.
1: And so, see, now I feel very proud. I said in the first episode where we brought up Felicity Smoke, I said this is going to be the introduction of Firestorm. Did you really? I did. I said there's no other reason to make that character a side character from Firestorm unless you're laying
0: the groundwork for Firestorm. But they, are, they completely ignored her involvement with Firestorm. Right.
1: But, I'm just, but I said at the time there's no reason why you would give her that name and tired of Firestorm unless you're eventually doing Firestorm. Yeah. There's just no reason for it.
0: So. Well, using the whole tying people's name to stuff. Uh, let's jump to the next topic off of Firestorm specifically. And talk about Reverse Flash. Uh, I have been saying for quite a while now, pretty much since the first episode, that the Reverse Flash had to be Harrison Wells. I was convinced it had to be Harrison Wells, mm-hmm. and here's why. Every as you, as you just said, Felicity Smoke was a named character, right? Every single character in The Flash is a named character from the comic, with the exception of Harrison Wells. He is the only character who the
1: the the, 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 the other guy, the assistant, the Cisco? wisecracking, he's in the comic? Cisco? Yeah. Bite
0: your tongue, Rob Kelly. What? That's vibe.
1: Oh that's r- oh that's right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I forgot.
0: Daniel Cynical Adams is now weeping. I
1: don't want to believe that vibe is being transferred in the live act. I can't wait to see
0: Cisco become Vibe. It's going to be the funniest thing ever. So uh maybe he'll pick up the accent just all of a sudden. You know, the old classic Justice League Detroit accent. <laughs> so anyway, uh I've been suspecting Harrison Wells as the uh, as Reverse Flash all this time. And of course, you know, for those of us in the know, most of us were thinking maybe Eddie uh what's her name? Iris's boyfriend. Because his name's Eddie Thawne, you know, who is Professor Zoom. Right. So, and it's quite likely he'll become a reverse Flash maybe in season two or season three. But for right now, you know, it's been revealed that it's Harrison Wells. So, I was convinced it was Harrison Wells. You know, he was a named... He was a character whose name didn't come from comics. So, check it out. Here's my crazy theory... And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I actually saw it on the internet uh, today, and I'm wondering if they, you know, somehow they stole it from me because I told enough people. I don't know. That's just me being incredibly arrogant. So his name is Harrison Wells, right? We know he has access to time travel technology. Right, right. Okay. So let's just say for shits and giggles his middle name is George. Right. Right. What does that make of his initials? H.G. Wells. Yeah, so you've heard this theory, or did I already yes. tell you this? No,
1: I've no, I've heard this.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, H.G. Wells. I don't think he's H.G. Wells. It just makes a hilarious alias for a time traveler. Mm-hmm. So, I think he's I think he's Hunter Zolomon, which you, I, you may not be familiar with Hunter Zolomon. I'm not sure. No, Hunter Zolomon was the new Reverse Flash. He went by the name Zoom, and oh, his whole okay. his whole shtick was he wanted to make at, at that point he was fighting Wally. He wanted to make Wally a better hero. He did all these terrible things in the in his mind. All these terrible tragedies he would put Wally through was to make Wally a better hero. <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. Right, but that's sort of what Harrison Wells is like. Every episode, mm-hmm. he talks about how Flash is his greatest creation. You know, Flash is so important to him. He wants. He Barry's got to succeed. Barry has to succeed. It's right in line with Hunter Solomon Hunter Solomon was in a wheelchair for a while. Um, and his power it had a lot to do with time, and he could time travel and stuff like that.
1: Is Hunter Zolomon a uh, Jeff Johns creation? Yes, he is. Okay. Well, that now makes a lot of sense because Johns is big muckety-muck on that show.
0: Yes, he is. And so here's what I think happened last night. I think what we were seeing was Harrison Wells, modern day, and Reverse Flash being Harrison Wells from the future. Hmm. Because there was two of them. I mean, he beat the crap out of himself, right? Right, right. So here's what I think he was doing. I think it's a paradox. I think Harrison Wells, in the future, as reverse flash, came into the past, stole that device from Mercury Labs, gave it to modern-day Harrison Wells, who does not have powers yet, gave him that device, Harrison put that device, as we saw at the very end, on the reverse flash costume, which imbued the costume with powers so that Harrison can become the reverse Flash. The modern-day Harrison Wells can become the reverse Flash and then use his powers to travel backwards in time. So himself, from his future, arranged for himself in the past to gain powers. Complete okay. Parody, complete paradox.
1: Right. It's, it's, it sounds completely comic book it, because comics,
0: as would Mike Bailey would say. I'm hurting your brain aren't I? You don't watch enough Dr. Who.
1: No, I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's, it's comic book logic, so I understand it. No.
0: So I'm digging the show. The, the, the big thing of the show that I could really do without is the angsty romance stuff between him, Iris, and Eddie. It, it feels – Oh, I could care a crap
1: less about that whole angle. It feels so small, though. I just don't care about that guy. Every time that guy's on the screen, the Eddie guy, I'm like, I don't care.
0: Oh, I'm fine with him. It's actually Iris that I, have, I struggle with. Just the the love sick sappy. She's in love with Eddie. She's in love with uh, Flash, and she's in love with Barry, but doesn't realize it. You know, it's just it's it's Lana Lang all over again from Smallville. Yeah. You know, it's just like oh, we, let's just move past that piece of it, please. I don't yeah. need that. So, but it, all, all the uh, what do you call that um, online? It's uh, shippers. All the shippers, I guess, need it. So, yeah. All right. Anything else on Flash?
1: No. I my my overall feeling is I'm still not grabbing onto the show the way everybody else is. I mean, after an episode airs, my Facebook feed is just filled with people like, oh my God, all caps. You know, they're just like flipping out. And I, I have to think that like, um, part of the reason people are responding, and I don't mean to, to um, cast dispersions on why people like it. Like, oh, they don't really like it. It's because of this other thing. But it's like, I think there's something about people have been waiting for a DC live action superhero property to not be so goddamn dark (laughs) that when they do one, that's kind of fun, the people love it almost a little disproportionately. And it almost, and it tells me that I really hope that when that whatever Zack Snyder's got planned, that they, that they see that, I mean, it's too late to change it now, obviously, because they've already, I think, completed principal photography, but I mean it's I just look at the the way people are responding to Flash and I just think I hope that DC isn't deciding to triple down on the dark with their whole movie franchise cuz people want to see something fun and that is proven A by Guardians of the Galaxy and then B by Flash cuz I think people are just so in love with the Flash show because it's not so you know even against Arrow it's not it, it's got so much less of people talking in that tone of you know <laughs> In, enjoy that muffin. It shall be your last. You know, that kind of shit that people, like, you know, that no one talks like that. So Flash is much better at that. And I think that's part of the reason why people have embraced the show so wholeheartedly, so quickly.
0: Well, I think, it's, I think that's a piece of it, certainly. The, 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 as you said, the light airiness is, is huge. I think part of it is, too, is that, at least for the comic geeks, it completely and unabashedly welcomes every aspect of the DC universe. Oh, that's true, yeah. Whereas Arrow, they, you know, they didn't really, I mean, they did a lot of the street-level DC stuff, you know, people without powers, which was cool, but that's not what DC's all about. You know, and Smallville, for years, wouldn't embrace it. Now, it did by, towards the end, but by then, I think enough people weren't watching. I think it was too late. So... And also they weren't embracing Superman. You know, it was still Clark. Right. It wasn't right. Superman. This completely embraces and goes, throw every ridiculous concept at us. Oh yeah. Hell, they did Rainbow Raider a week or two yep. ago. Yep. You know? Yep. So they're they're willing to really I'm waiting for Crazy Quilt next season. But <laughs> so I I think that that's part of it too, is just like, you know, they're embracing everything. Bring yeah. it on.
1: Did I, you, like, I like I liked the when the 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 flash green arrow team up episode where they're like um, Arrow mocks Flash's insistence on giving them all code names. Yeah, and he's like, "You and those silly code names." He's like, "Oh, did you guys? Did you come up with that during your lunch with Deathstroke and Huntress?" You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, "That was great." He's goofing on Arrow. I thought that was great.
0: Did you? Uh, I assume you you caught Amanda Pays being in it and, and the significance of that.
1: That was really. Im- I knew. I read last week or whenever it was that it was him, that she was not going to be on the show, and I'm like, "Oh, that's great! That's that's really neat." I didn't know that she was going to be playing Tina McGee. Isn't that crazy? That's great. I lo- I think that's so fun. And then the news that Mark Hamill is going to come back as the Trickster. I'm like, "That's great. I I am. I think that's wonderful." I thought it, it was
0: a joke. Beautiful. I thought the Mark Hamill thing was a joke. And I read it. I'm like, oh, someone's screwing around. Enough, enough stories finally popped up. I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Yep. And, you know, the original Flash TV show did Harley Quinn before there was Harley Quinn, essentially. Yeah. Because the trickster had a female sidekick who was, like, in love with him called Prank. And she was basically Harley Quinn before there was a Harley Quinn. So that was a really fun. That was a great, I really liked that show, the original show. So I love all the nods to it and stuff. Okay, I,
0: I, I'm sure you know this. I apologize. But so those people at home might not realize this. You do realize who's playing Barry Allen's dad on the show, right?
1: Yes, of course. Sean okay. was the ship. Yeah. I mean, he can't obviously be the same Flash. But I love that they're working in the character. They're basically glomming onto that Flash universe. Um, in every way, except it being the other Flash, of course. But
0: right, yeah, it can't, it's not really part of that universe. But they're nodding to it as much as they can. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason that she needed to be Tina McGee.
1: No, I thought I thought they were going to work. Great. Yeah, I thought they were going to work into the show the way they worked Christopher Reeve yeah. into Smallville, and that he's from that world, but he's obviously not the same character, or the way we worked in Margo Kidder and Terrence Stamp and everybody. But yep. the fact that they literally have her playing the same character, I'm like, that's got to be great for her as an actress. That's really cool. To, to, yeah. You know, to to be like, hey, you know, you're you did this thing 20 years ago or 30, you know, whatever. But people still love you, and you were going to come back. That's got to be great for her too. I think that would be a lot of fun to to play a part that you probably thought was just forgotten. You know, just it's, it's gone.
0: I tell you what, and this is not. I'm not being negative. It's going to sound about it. I did not even recognize her. At all. She looks very different, yeah. If, if she hadn't spoken, I mean, she still looks very pretty, just looks in a different she way. She just looks different, yeah. She has yeah. short
1: blonde hair now as opposed to the, yeah.
0: Yep. If she hadn't spoken, I never in a million years would have guessed that was her. Mm-hmm. once what she spoke, I mean, her, her voice is exactly the same. Yep. Which, by the way, is why audio dramas are so awesome. By the way, um, that's why you like Doctor Who audio dramas, or for example, all mm-hmm. those ones I listen to, because you get an actor from 40 years ago. They sound exactly like they mm. did back then, and it's just you're you're right back in the moment.
1: So. That's how The Simpsons can be on for 25 years. Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> anyway, so cool stuff, so exciting. Uh, I'm loving the show. I'm completely in, and obviously, I, I'm biased because the firestorm angle. But I just, I love the show. The pilot, even the, when the pilot first came without any Firestorm hints in it, it was just like, this is a blast. What a hoot. Now, I'm curious what's going to happen, the whole dynamic with Star Labs once Dr. Wells gets outed, because sooner or later that has to happen. You know, maybe at the end of the season. What's going to happen with Caitlin and Cisco and Star Labs and all that? But we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. So, next the Star Wars trailer. Since we were going to cover the Star Wars feedback, because we, we got a tremendous amount of feedback when we did, we did. the Star Wars episode. We did. It was basically our, our Star Wars, if you haven't heard it, it's our Star Wars memories, basically is kind of what it is. What, what was the episode number on that, Rob? 107. Okay. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to episode 107. It's Rob and I just kind of waxing on about growing up uh, being Star Wars fans and what it was like in the 70s and 80s as a Star Wars fan and how that carried through into the prequels and uh, to modern day. And then right after that, the pre. The trailer came out, so we felt like we should talk about that a little bit. <laughs> we, we make these things happen. We just yep. trigger them.
1: J.J. was not going to release it, and then he saw the heat that we generated and was like, well, we gotta, we got to glom on to this guy. So.
0: we got to strike while the iron's hot. Strike while the iron's hot.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so uh, trailer, um, what do you think?
1: I feel like this is going to go quick because I think you and I are on exactly the same page. I mean, I just loved it. I loved everything about it. I don't – it's a teaser trailer. I, I I completely immersed myself in Star Wars podcast nerdiness um, the weekend it came out. Uh, I just listened to every show that was covering it because I just would just wanted to talk about it and hear people's reaction. And it, the, the fandom made me laugh because it was like there are so many people that are like – you know, the dead lightsaber doesn't make sense because this. And you're like, look, there are no rules now. You know, you don't know the context of what you're seeing in this trailer, so you don't, you know. Um, but I and you know, people are like, Oh, I didn't see Han Well, they can't give you everything. They're, they're they it's a tea you know, inherently but in the name, teaser trailer. It's not the <laughs> whole trailer. And I love the fact that they did we actually didn't see. The original cast because clearly the original cast is handing the franchise over to these new people so you want to focus on the new people and they did boyega and daisy ridley and um oscar isaac are, for as far as i understand are the three you know main heroes of this storyline as far as i'm now as far as i know
0: which one was oscar isaac
1: he was the x-wing pilot oh okay uh but i thought it was great i mean it just it looked interesting and then to show all the new stuff and then to culminate with the Millennium Falcon. You're just like, <sighs> boom, man, you know? And to see things in a way that you've never seen it before. You've never seen an X-Wing fighter in a terrestrial atmosphere.
0: You've, you, skimming the water. Skimming the water. The spray of the ocean flying up right. and hitting it. Other than,
1: <sighs> other than when the Falcon shoots out of Moss spaceport, you know, you've never seen the Falcon on a planet. You've always seen it in space. So just seeing it in those different contexts, I... I just love the crap out of it. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I mean, I was already in. I can't be more in than I already am, but I'm just like, <laughs> it looks, everything I've seen from this movie gives me hope. Every, I've yet to see, he, see or hear anything about this movie where I'm like, eh. I get you. Does it give you a, a new hope? Very good. Very good. Yes, it does. Uh, no, I think, I just, I thought it was great. It was great. And I, I'm like a year. Oh Lord. Um, you know, uh, one of the podcasts I listened to when they were complaining about that, the movie's a year away, they queued up that audio clip of Luke from Star Wars going, it's a whole nother year. <laughs> I like, it's such a thing to use. Uh, I can't, you know, a year feels so far away, but I'm, I'm mollifying myself and realizing that like 2015, there is so much entertainment, that I'm excited about. That you know, it'll be a, a year of just great stuff. There's going to be, personally for me, there's going to be a new Bob Dylan album that I'm super excited about. There's going to be a new James Bond movie. There's going to be Avengers two. I mean, it's going to, you know, the whole year is going to have one thing after the other, culminating in December with Star Wars, which is just unbelievable.
0: I I gotta tell you, it's going kind of bit by bit through the trailer, like the opening scene, seeing how do you say his name? Boy- Boyega. 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 Seeing him you know first of all you, it's a first person you see's african american i thought that was a great statement you know it, it, not that not i don't know if they were intentionally going for the statement or not but i thought that was great cuz there was a lot of hubbub when the casting came out so you start with that oh, then he, you see him in stormtrooper armor and you're like
1: what's that about right it's, never seen a stormtrooper with his helmet off an actual right? stormtrooper
0: and it makes you wonder is he a stormtrooper. Obviously, he's going to be a protagonist. But is he a stormtrooper who is kind of a bad guy and becomes a good guy? Is he a right. guy in disguise? Or stormtroopers, good guys now? We don't know because right. nothing's no, no, no. changed. I love the little droid with the little mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. I, I I did read online somewhere where someone had said, "Oh, here's them Disneyifying the DC or of the Star Wars universe, like bashing it." The little droid, and I'm thinking. Did you not see the other movies with the same Lord droid? The,
1: the, the, yeah, the same droid on wheels that Chewie barks at and runs away. Right, movies have always had that stuff. As long as the always droid been doesn't comedy release. As long as the droid doesn't step in poop, <laughs> we'll
0: be better. And have big floppy ears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The girl on the speeder bike, you know, uh, I've seen yeah, it referred yeah. to as a Jello popsicle, which is kind of yeah. funny.
1: <laughs> or a flash drive.
0: Yeah. Flash. So that's – do we know for a fact that she's Leia's daughter? I mean, no, we know was,
1: nothing. Okay. That's another thing about this. They have done a great job of keeping that stuff under wraps.
0: Well, let's just go on the assumption that she's Leia and Han's daughter. Right. Okay. Okay. That puts her in the position – to be just about the damn coolest person in the whole. Yeah,
1: seriously, yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, think about it. Your mom is Princess Leia, and you're a girl, so you've got that badass girl power legacy right there. Your dad is friggin' Han Solo. <laughs> you are double. Ba- Actually, you're more. You're like ten times more badass now. And you should be a kick ass pilot. Your uncle, by the way, is the last of the Jedi. You know, Luke Skywalker. Holy shit, your grandpa's Darth Vader. I mean, she, you realize if, <laughs> if it was a boy, it would be just as cool, but just the, the girl linked to Leia is just, I think, I feel a lot more strong than if it was a boy. So it's just like, she is primed to be the coolest damn character in the, ever in the history of Star Wars. So I'm jazzed. I hope they they write a good script, and I hope she's a good actress, and they put it in a position where she's as badass as she should be. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, in my mind, I'm calling her Jaina. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. I realize she's not, but you know, until she has a name, I'm calling her Jaina Solo, and uh she was Jaina was the Sword of the Jedi at one point in the books, which is just a cool title. Anyway, I, I'm so excited for that character, and I, other than just knowing she exists, it's sort of silly to get this excited about a character. But I'm like, I'm on board with this character already. You know, mm-hmm. ooh, the way she drove that speeder bike was cool. You know, it's just silly, but
1: no, it was good. One, one thing about that scene is that it's a it's a it's a cut of two different sequences. It's not all one shot because in the one – in the closer up shot yeah. attached to the side of the giant flash drive is what looks like a gaffy stick. Mm. And then when she takes off, the gaffy stick is gone. Okay. So it's not all one shot. I mean mm. – uh, so um, that – you know, I, if, does that mean like she punches a Tuscan Raider in the face? I'd like to see that. That would be cool. That so.
0: would be badass. Yeah. So. It's sort of funny. We're we're, <laughs> damn we're back on Tatooine again I have to assume. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know, we can't, they can't get away from that planet
0: it's, it's, it, Considering they said it's in the ass end of space I know, it, you know <laughs> f- Apparently everything takes place there though So, uh, the, the lightsaber with the hilt Right I have absolutely no problems with it whatsoever Like, every, like majority of people have been sort of negative about it like, But when I saw it in the trailer The like, first thing I said was Of course, of course there'd be a lightsaber hilt Why not? Makes perfect sense. I mean, a, the, a hilt in a sword exists to block a sword from cutting your hand. That's why you have the hilt on a sword. Right. It is but, there. Uh, the,
1: but but that won't stop a lightsaber. A lightsaber would just go right through that, though.
0: A lightsaber gets stopped by another lightsaber.
1: Right. But the hilt. Well, that's true. We don't know. I. You know what? I guess well, well, no, just. Like well, on...
0: No. What I'm saying is, on a regular sword, right. you have a hilt to protect right. your hand. Right. So you don't get damage as the sword hits right, and slides no, I got that. down. Right. Yeah. So a lightsaber, when two lightsabers touch, they stop each other. So having a hilt on a lightsaber I guess, yeah. Would stop it, another lightsaber from yeah. cutting your hand. And I mean, cutting cutting off arms and hands is a thing. Is a big sword thing, swords.
1: yeah. I mean Stephen Colbert has already debunked this, why that he has no problem with it. And I am not gonna argue with Stephen Colbert, he's much smarter than me. So I was like, It's fine. What I, you say? It, oh, he he just said he he just did what you said, except he had visual aids and everything. So, uh, yeah, no, 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 like I just look at it like it the fact that it may not make a lot of sense to me doesn't bother me because I don't know the context. I just yes. don't know the context yet, so it's like, okay, it's a lightsaber that's got the things out the side. Fine, it could be a jerry rigged lightsaber. You know, you don't know. We just don't. You know, you can't. You can't get mad about plot points that you don't know yet. So I was just like, okay, it's fine.
0: No, know? it's it's a lightsaber claymore, man. It's that's bad, badass. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's gonna cleave some skulls with that thing. I'm just saying. So uh, the Falcon, I teared up the first <laughs> time. I was watching this thing. I think I watched I watch it on my phone? I don't remember where I saw it. I think I watched it on my phone. And when the Falcon. I literally, the tears were in my eyes.
1: With its new uh, radar dish that it's got.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay,
1: because so, <laughs> he lost the the circle oh, one. Yeah.
0: That well, huh, uh, did, not, huh? Lando, That's Well, Lando did. Lando. Well, no, I mean the ship lost it. Oh, I'm sure Lando had to pay for it. Yeah. So, yes. so
1: uh, Han like, now gets every channel. He gets a full pack. <laughs> full
0: pack I, I I just was in, ah, uh, and, and it wasn't just the fact that it's in atmosphere, as what you said. It's the shot, because we've always, we've seen the, the Falcon do those sort of barrel rolls or flips, or whatever it is. I don't know my terminology, but when it does that roll effect a couple of times. But the camera has never followed it through yep. like that. Yep. And it was just, like, so breathtaking. And that was the only classic Star Wars thing in it.
1: Well, the X-Wing fighter.
0: Yeah, but that's not Han, Luke, Leia... You know that's not the gang. That's not the Star Wars. Yeah,
1: that's yeah from no, from Marvel
0: right. from Marvel Star Wars comics language. Yeah, that's, that's not true. S- Nothing that was the only Star Warriors piece in there.
1: Right, X wing fighters do not necessarily denote Luke Han or Leia, but the, way the Millennium Falcon does. So yeah, yeah.
0: So and I, and I'm thinking it's you know who says it's Han flying it? Maybe it's that's Jane. right. We don't. I mean, know. It could be Jaina. You know? Right. You
1: have no idea. So
0: but when when we watch I watched it the second time with my wife, and she looked at me. She's like are you kidding me? Because I was getting all teary-eyed. <laughs> and I'm like, no. She's like, what? What What about that? It, it, it makes you tear." And I said, you
1: know what? If it's not in your blood, you can't explain it.
0: Well, no. I said, it's the Falcon. I explained it to her, and she didn't get it. Then, not two hours later, we're in Moe's, and she's reading the CNN article about the trailer. And it says in there, the part that made everyone emotional was the Falcon. And she's reading the article as if it's gospel. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Wait a minute. <laughs> so I'm like jumping up and down. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, and um, so T- the TIE fighters were fighting the Falcons. So that implies mm-hmm. that the Empire's still bad guys. Maybe. We don't,
1: I, you don't
0: know. I, well, I said implies, didn't I? Right, right. So that if they're, they're bad guys, maybe the stormtroopers are still bad guys then, rather than maybe good so. guys.
1: It certainly look like they are on a badass mission when they load, when they're on that landing platform. Yeah, but that could have been a good guy mission. Right, could I mean been our, the they, way it shot, though, it's certainly that could have been our boys. it certainly does not. They, they they certainly don't look like a welcoming force.
0: It's true.
1: They, no pun intended.
0: That's true. So, well, I don't know that they, they went. All, they went a long way to try and make the clone troopers seem friendly. You know, in episode two. So I don't know. Either way, woof! Totally over the moon. Yeah. Like I, I don't. I, that's going to sound. Terrible. I think I'm more excited about Star Wars than I am about First. That's that sounds. I just <laughs> just based on the passion I'm giving right now versus what I had before. I,
1: I am more excited Star about Star Wars than I am Batman v Superman, even though Aquaman's going to be in it because I have more trepidations about that than I do Star Wars. It, it, if if they were equal, if I was if I had no worries about how Batman v Superman is going to be. I think I'd probably get Batman Superman the edge because Aquaman is going to be in it and that's just going to be monstrously huge but because I'm kind of like eh and I haven't had any of those feelings about Star Wars I am more excited about Star Wars right now because I'm just like I mean smooth sailing fellas smooth sailing I mean I'm not going to try and learn anything I, I will only watch what they choose to present <laughs> I'll, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to go search for material. I'm not going to. This look is
0: search. Mr. Abrams approved, Mr. Kelly. No,
1: well, that's really. I mean, I'm not going to go and like find stuff out on the internet. I don't want to know. I I will show. I will watch what they want to show me. And if they want to say we're going to do the, the the big rumor is they're going to have a full trailer in front of Avengers two, which makes perfect sense. That's okay. May. It's yeah. May it's a Disney film. It make. But that'll probably be it. They'll probably have maybe one other trailer. I hope they don't do too many. I mean. I deal with trailers all day at work, and some of these major films have like five trailers. You're like, you know, no, we don't need five trailers for this film.
0: The way they're going to do it, probably like *Phantom Menace* did or uh, *Attack of the Clones*, where it's you know two or three trailers, but then there's like 18 TV different TV commercials.
1: Well, luckily, I do not watch hardly any broadcast television, so I will not see any of those. So I can live without that.
0: I remember when they did *Phantom Menace*. They had like there was a commercial introducing Jar Jar. There was a commercial introducing Anakin. There was a commercial introducing probably Watto. I don't know, but there was a million. million. (laughs) All
1: those characters you love,
0: right? Each each Jedi and the Jedi Council. (laughs) This is the guy with the long skinny neck. (laughs) What?
1: What racial stereotype are we introducing in this?
0: All right. On that note, um, on the pe- on the prequel bashing, why don't we go to break, and then when we come back,
1: we both love we'll... Force Awakens. Let's end on a positive note. We both love the trip of the teaser trailer. We both oh, love. It.
0: So excited for it. The title, The Force Awakens. Did we? Ta- we talked about this previously, didn't we? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a questionable title, but you know, it's it's no different than a New Hope or Phantom Menace. Uh, works. Yeah.
1: I mean, Skyfall, boring title, great movie. So I know the Titles don't mean a
0: whole. So check this out. Over the weekend, I watched uh, Goldfinger with wow. my 15 year old stepson, mm-hmm. and he loved it. Absolutely that's loved it.
1: That's good because a lot of kids his age don't want to see something that paced like that.
0: Dude, that movie is not slow paced. It's like
1: a, well, but by by, by control, today's standards, sure. Standard, that's what I mean.
0: Yeah. But, but you know, we watched it. We're like, "Wow, that was really good." And I thought, and I had to sit there and go, "Like, oh my god, this movie is fifty years old! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fifty years old, mm-hmm. and it's that damn good still." So, ah, oh, great movie. That's cool. Absolutely nothing new is what we're talking about. Nope. Okay. That's fine. See you on the other side, folks.
1: Okay. Oh wait, we got to explain what, what they're going to hear. Oh, okay. Go for it. Well, you, you okay? This is a song from Luke Dobb, the multi-talented multi-Grammy award-winning composer, <laughs> Luke Dobb. Uh, it's a song he did what, back in college. Yeah. Is that what it's from? Yep. And it's about Star Wars or a specific aspect of the Star Wars universe. And uh, we appreciate him sending it to us and willing to send us, you know, some of his earlier work. Uh, this is Luke Dobb, the bootleg series. So in, what's the name of the song? Was it just called uh, James Earl right. Jones?
0: I think it's just called James Earl Jones. James Earl yeah. Jones. Most of the – it's written and performed by his buddy, Ty Matson. Right. So – but – Luke is involved in as yes. you said the early early this is a this is the session tapes sort of Yeah kind of exactly thing. right
1: right so okay enjoy the song and on this side we will do listener feedback
0: folks. We're back from break, and now it's time for... Listener's, Listeners Feedback! And we're going to cover feedback from two different episodes. It's going to be episode 107, where we talked about Star Wars, and then episode 100, our centennial production. Mm-hmm. Multi-Academy uh, Award nominated you know, F-O-O show. So, um... Folks, just remember: if you are on the social medias, please use the hashtag #PoundFWPodcast. That will help us find this information. It'll help your fellow uh, fans who are listening find it. We can all chat and and go back and forth and argue points and and whatever. So, because this is a, if you're new to the show and you may be being, you know, following the Star Wars lead here, we have, quite honestly, the single greatest podcasting listening community ever. You guys are absolutely amazing. I say it all the time. It's absolutely true. As we get through, I'm going to read one specific letter from Russell Burbage. I think is really going to point, point at how incredible this community is. But I've never seen another podcast where the folks interact so much, and it ends up sometimes not even being about the show, but they interact with each other, and they get to know each other. They they, they do creative projects together. It's astonishing. So. Yep. And uh, we, their nickname is Nuclear Subs, is what we call people who listen to the show. So, all right. Now, I, I, you know, I have to mention, and this came up in some of the feedback, that what a coincidence, the the day we released our Star Wars episode was the 36th anniversary, 36 year anniversary of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Isn't that insane? What? So. A day my, that
1: will live in infamy. Right.
0: <laughs> I was telling my wife about it, right? Yeah, how you and I had talked about it and how it aired on that day and all that, right? And we were well, we were wrapping presents for this thing we had to go to. And she's like, well, why don't you put it on? Oh, oh no. I'm no. like, what? No. She's like, yeah, put it on for all. Nope. She's like, no, she did. Okay. No, no, I'm saying no. So I did. I found it. It's out there like somewhere like Daily Motion or some site has it out on the web. So I put it on. Holy crap. Unendurable. Within five minutes, she says, turn yes. this crap off. Actually, no, I think it was three minutes. Yep. You know, because I, I actually made it stay on longer. I'm like, no, really? Watch. There's gonna be a whole 10-minute scene of them arguing in in, in Wookiee language about taking out the trash. Right. It's hysterical.
1: Everyone who watches it for the first time, or like, they always think, "Oh, we'll get a, we'll have a party, and we'll watch it together. We'll have some beers because they think it's going to be like an Ed Wood movie that you can sit. No, it's unendurable because it just drags on. It's ninety minutes, but it feels like it's four hours, oh and goodness. it's, it, it's, it's no fun to watch. You, you would think bad Star Wars would be fun to watch with right. your buddies. It isn't. It's unendurable. Well,
0: it's not bad Star Wars. It's just bad. Waste of videotape. I mean, well, you know. I
1: just, I just mean that I think that, like, in terms of like getting together with your friends and watching yeah. something to hate watch, yeah, something that's awful, but also has some Star Wars. It has like all the things you could kind of like really sink your teeth into. Sure. And no, it doesn't. It, it just, it,
0: yeah. Oh. Watch the Ewok movies instead, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <Awful. laughs> well, it's the very first scene is Han and Chewie, and you're like, okay,
1: yeah, i We're off to we're this, a good start here. Yeah. This is this is bad. And then when hour six hits, you're just like, oh my God. You're swallowing the business end of a shotgun by the end. Yeah, I mean, just like Princess Leia, and she's singing a Jefferson Starship, and you know
0: that she was totally cooked up at the time. It's just. (laughs) What (laughs) the hell's going on with Mark Hamill's hair in that thing, too? Oh my God. He was getting ready to play the trickster, I think. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we got a comment from Buck Rowlett.
1: Buck Rowlett. Uh, he says He he wishes us a happy life day <laughs> Thank you Buck He was listening to the Star Wars episode Earlier in the day Not done as I am in class now Watching the Star Wars holiday special Instead of paying attention I'll see right there There you go my own personal story destroying the education of America. Really, good lord. He's, his parents paid hundred thousand dollars for that in education. My own personal stories experience is quite a bit different from you than yours because I was born in nineteen eighty six and I'm even younger than the Ewok specials.
0: Wow.
1: I remember seeing Star Wars for the first time on VHS. My dad had rented a new hope, made a bucket of butter with kernels of popcorn, and allowed <laughs> me to stay up way too late to watch the movie. The only good memory I have of that man. I fell asleep before it was over. I didn't see the movie again until I was 11, when the special edition was released in 1997. I went to the movie with my little brother. I fell in love with the saga instantaneously. I was fortunate enough to watch the VHS copies of the original trilogy at my friend's house because his mom was really into sci-fi. She was a hardcore Trekkie. Imagine that. My mom really nurtured my fandom. She was even more of a fan than my dad was. I started collecting all the figures I could get, every book I could read. Thank God my mom read the books as much as I did because I was able to get them far quicker. I own and have read almost every novel. I didn't read as much in the last few years before the canon reboot. I have most of the Dark Horse comics. Man. That's cool that your mom is super into it, man. I, I have no frame of reference for that at all. My parents were not into my stuff at all, but that's, that's really cool, man.
0: Just a, another piece he says here, I'm not going to read it, but he, he does say he, how much he loves the prequels. And he says the Clone Wars is probably his favorite era of Star Wars, which is pretty cool. It's, right. it's nice to see people with another perspective. By the way, he's talking about the VHS tapes. So you know, this is one thing we didn't talk about in our Star Wars episode. How many different versions of Star Wars, yeah. the <laughs> classic trilogy, have you bought over the years?
1: Uh, at least – I was uh, say uh, four. I think. I think I had it on Laserdisc. No uh, way. I did, yeah. And I have it on DVD. Those are the ones I have now. And I bought it at least twice on VHS because I bought the special editions or something like that. So I mean, three three at the minimum but maybe four.
0: I have uh, – let's see. I had the original. Like I recorded it myself off of Showtime originally. Then I bought the, the individual releases – And then I bought that big set you could get right before the special editions, like the Mm -hmm. last chance to own the original Star Wars. I bought that set. This is all. Came with the making of thing. Yeah, yep, exactly right. And then I bought the DVDs of special edition. Right. And then I bought again, because I got all I don't know why I got some bug up my ass. I bought the DVDs of the original unaltered
1: edition. Those are the ones I have. Well, because they have both. They have both versions. Exactly, those, and then those are the ones I watch. I watch the originals. I don't watch the special editions. I watch the originals.
0: You know what? I don't mind watching the special edition for A New Hope. I, I don't really have any problems. I can't,
1: with get, that. I can't get past the shoot first and that Jabba scene. I just,
0: oh, I, I okay. That. Wow, I'm glad you brought that up. I do have problems with that. Never mind. Um,
1: to me, Jedi is the is the film that suffers the least from. The, oh my god. You are kidding me. I miss the Yub Yub song. I really do. But I love the shots of all the other planets celebrating the Empire has been destroyed. Like, they're tearing down the statues. Like, I think that was great. Sure, that's that. that's
0: wonderful. And that piece of music's gorgeous. I mean, it really is. I own the soundtracks from the special edition, and that piece is gorgeous. However, I cannot suffer through the dance number.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. The dance
0: number is pretty bad. Yeah. Empire is the one that got hurt the least.
1: Yeah, I hate Luke yelling like a little bitch when he jumps, which makes no sense. Like, why yeah. does he scream when he, because he chooses to yeah. drop himself. And then he's like, no, I'm like, why are you yelling no? You, you're choosing to do this. There, None of them are
0: great. It's just, the the like, cleaned up special that. effects, though, the, 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 the Death Star battle for a new hope mm-hmm. is like really nice. In, mm-hmm. in a new yeah,
1: there's some good release. stuff in there. I just I, I like overall, I just tend to like I put on. The
0: yeah, TV. I guess you're right. That that's actually why I bought the 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 set that comes with the original yep. release because I I yeah. needed I needed that. So yep. all right, anyway, back into it. Heard from our buddy, uh, Lu, Lu, he he gives us the phonetics, so I'm going to use that. <laughs> Lucien Desar. Uh, he says, I guess because I am a similar age as you, but I felt like you were talking about my Star Wars story. In truth, it was every boy's Star Wars story because every kid had Star Wars figures and we had lengthy discussions about the Star Wars universe. And then he sent us a photo of himself in California showing off his it. Star Wars toys in the 1970s. Along with, along with action figures from other films that, just like you, Rob, had become part of his Star Wars galaxy. Yep. Yep. So yep. I'm pretty yep. sure I see the Sandcrawler there, the same one I had. And the, the Jawas are selling not only R2-D2, but uh, Boba Fett is purchasing a Cylon, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> there,
1: so. Why not? Yep. And you see he's got the, the little 12-pack figure set yes. holding on to with the gunk droid, your favorite, the gunk. <laughs> I had all that stuff. Everything pictured. I had all of that stuff. I, I love that photo. It's great. Because it's just like when you're a kid, you're just so proud of your stuff that you yep. just like have to get it. Picture taken.
0: It's great. I love it. It's funny. I I don't have any like pictures of me showing off my Star Wars stuff. Oddly enough, you know what I when I first got a camera, you know what I took pictures of? Oh,
1: let's not get
0: into that. No, 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 no. Oh. When I first got a camera, I took pictures of my Aquaman comic books. Ah, uh, I kid nice. you not. With a black and white camera. Ooh, what artsy. sense was it to take pictures of color comic book covers with a black and white camera? <laughs> it's I don't artsy. <laughs> I I that's how I envisioned it.
1: Send me those photos. We'll put them on the shrine. i got to find them. Uh, we got an uh, email from Luke, Luke Skywalker Dobb. <laughs> uh, Rob, you are cruel, cruel, cruel. I have been guarding my emotions about the new Star Wars movies ever since they were first announced. I felt utterly betrayed by the prequels and gave up on Star Wars altogether. Over the course of this recent podcast, my episode my – episode, uh, Oh, sorry. Over the course of this recent podcast episode, my guards slowly came down. I enjoyed listening to your familiar journey to the Star Wars universe. As for me, I was born in 77 and named Luke. What other choice did I have than to love Star Wars? <laughs> People have been telling me they're my father as long as I can recall. <laughs> to my childhood imagination, I was Luke Skywalker. I've read the books, listened to the records and radio dramas, read the comics, watched the cartoons, collected the trading cards, consumed everything I could get my hands on. He then goes into the prequels and how disappointed he was with that, and then skeptically about getting back to it with J.J. With Abrams taking over the franchise. So he says, But he then he says, uh, So it wasn't until this podcast, this podcast, that I finally allowed the guard might come down and my heart to open to receive the new movies with eager expectation. The show ended and familiar anthem played. I was back, a giant smile <laughs> scratching across my face. But you oh you cruel Rob Kelly what stinger do you leave us with how do you choose to end the show on my short Raptor's adventure with the fandom of my childhood midichlorians that's how I'm suing for whiplash my heart slammed (laughs) shot in less than 12 (laughs) parsecs I couldn't help it I just was like I just wanted to find one of the more just absolute worst pieces of dialogue (laughs) and I thought I did a good job
0: Uh, it it was (laughs) discerning. it really was to hear that at the end of the episode
1: Mr. Gwagon tell
0: me (laughs) But Luke, but Luke's message actually gets repeated quite a bit here through the feedback on yes. people. Now, admittedly, I don't know that it's a good cross-section of the Star Wars fandom, our listener base, because most people are, if not our age, in the zone of mm-hmm. our age, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're all a little bit of grumpy old fans. But a lot of people I said that listening to us talk about it, as they said, rekindled their excitement, which, you know, mm. that means a lot to me because oh, it, it rekindled my excitement. It really did. Yep. I'm, I'm jazzed for Star Wars again. Yep. So
1: yep, uh, We got a message from Mike Gillis. And he says, uh, uh, regarding the prequels, again, we're not going to get into the whole prequel bashing thing, but, but a lot of people did chime in on that. Oh, there's a lot of it. And he comes down, he says, I could write a tirade the length of a Russian novel about the Star Wars prequels, but he says it comes down to essentially a couple things, and this is he some bullet points. And the first one is none of the characters seem to like each other. No one wants to be there, and no one is having any fun. I think that is a huge part of it. There is no Han Solo in the prequels, and I don't mean literally Han Solo, but there is no character who is sort of fun. Everybody's sort of miserable. Everybody's all just oh, Jedi, 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 you know no emotions, you can't desire anything. You don't have one guy who's cracking jokes and being, or good jokes you don't have one guy who's just like, you know I'm a pirate, You just just the movie desperately needed that lightness, and uh, none of the prequels have it. I think it definitely suffers for it, and I think Mike is right on
0: yeah, And he has an interesting philosophy on how he handles this too He says his second reason is it did Irreparable damage to his love of Star Wars The intensity and purity of his love um, Let's see the, the intensity and purity of the love I used to have For Star Wars was off the charts It's the only thing that, that I may have on the same Primal level as superheroes As the prequels left me in a place where I didn't want to look at Anything Star Wars for years And he kind of jumping down he says Over the past couple years I was bitten by a nostalgia bug And decided to give Star Wars a second chance he goes, but it wasn't the same. I don't love the franchise the way I did as a kid. Some part of my fandom died in 1999, and I've never gotten it all the way back. And it might be a little sad, but I think I'm a. I think I'm okay with it. I'll just vacuum seal the movies I love into my own personal canon. Ignore all the stuff I don't like. Which there you
1: go. That's, That's the ultimately it, the best way to do it. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's it's sort of like comics. You know, honestly, when you're talking about like like the new Fifty Two, and if it's not your bag. You know, find your joy. And that's what Mike's done. My, in the Star Wars genre, he's found his joy. He's found out what it is, and as he said, he's vacuum sealed that. So yep. I would have been better if he'd said he, you know, locked it in carbonite, but whatever.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, we heard from our buddies Darren and Ruth Sutherland. They say uh Dar- Darren was a big, big... And I'm assuming Darren wrote this part, not Ruth, but seeing he's a huge Star Wars fan growing up. And he says, um, I must say that I loved the novels and Dark Horse comics that were out in the 1990s. So so many great stories are being produced that I could never have foreseen how bad the prequels would be. And when you wrote that, it sort of resonated with me. Because, I, like he, I read a lot of the books and a lot of the comics and loved them. And, and again, there were so many great Star Wars stories. So when you do compare that to the prequels, it's like, what the hell? How could... There's so much good... You don't have to base it directly on a comic story or a, a novel, but there's so much good content out there proving that Star Wars can be done. So...
1: Uh, he also mentions, I agree with Rob's comments on Superman Returns as a good movie of a flawed idea. I also like the positive comments about George Lucas, and I agree. However, I disagree that the prequels get better. I think they're all equally bad. Plus, they actually get more disappointed with each because they don't learn as they went along. And I must say, I would happily watch Van Helsing any time instead of having the prequels again. I don't know about that, uh, Darren. Van Helsing is a movie that like hates itself and hates the audience for watching it and punishes it. So I, I don't know if I would go that far.
0: That's actually a call forward. Uh, in a bit, we're going to read the, where the Van Helsing discussion started. Yeah, so we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. Heard from your buddy and mine, Earth 2 Chris, says, I always feel a bit left out when it comes to Star Wars and our generation. I was only two and a half when the film hit, and my parents probably thought it was too scary for me to go see in the theater. That carried over to me not seeing Empire and Jedi on the big screen as well. It
1: has been established, from Chris's own words, that he was a giant wuss as a child. He was easily scared, so I could see why his parents kept him from it.
0: Well, Rob, I mean, I don't... I don't mean to take the podcast down a serious turn here, but I mean, let's read this bit again, where he says his parents um, wouldn't take him to see Star Wars or Empire Return. I, I, I have to call Child and Family Services. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this this has got to be addressed.
1: And so. he has visited this pain onto his children because he shows them Howard the Duck and other things. I mean, he he's taking his pain out on the next generation. Break the cycle, Chris. Break the cycle. <laughs>
0: heard from our buddy uh, David Gutierrez, who just call, called us Shag and Rob, the itchy and lumpy of podcasting.
1: <laughs> and for the record, which one? <laughs> no which one
0: of us is which, though?
1: I, I'm the one. I, I'm definitely the one that watched the Diane Carroll song and this Holly special and got all horny. I'm that guy. I'm that Chewbacca. Whatever. You're,
0: you're saying you're the kid lumpy, and I'm the cranky old man whittling away. I, I
1: think. Well, no. I think I'm. I think the old man was the one that watched the video and oh, got all worked up. So that's me.
0: I, I think you're the old one, and I think I'm the young, rambunctious one jumping around, not taking off the trash.
1: I by that.
0: Okay. Love then uh, John Wilson gave us a link over his uh, podcast, which we failed to mention. I apologize for that, by the way. Yeah, we he, should have mentioned that. It is the Star Wars Saga Cast. As you can find that at thestarwarssagacast.com. He actually did a running commentary for the Star Wars Holiday Special. Ugh. So <laughs> he's a stronger man than us. That's for
1: sure. He does commentaries on the movies with his little kids, with his yeah. kids along. They're really cute to hear these little kids talk about the Star Wars <laughs> movies as they <laughs> unfold in front of them.
0: He and I did a podcast on Doctor Who one time. It was He's a fun guy to talk with, so good stuff. I heard from our buddy Mark Baker Wright. He wrote, Just got past the part where you argue that you're not haters of the prequel trilogy. You just thought they were bad movies. I have no interest in defending the prequel trilogy. I perhaps didn't think they were as bad as you guys did, but I wouldn't consider them good either. But I wonder at the attempt to dodge the hater label. It seems as though you know that to be a hater is a bad thing, but I'm not convinced by the attempt really Not much of one, so far as I could tell, to discern the difference between a hater and someone who just thought the movies were terrible. What do you really think a hater is? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. and that in, you're right, we, I talked about I don't you know that we're not haters, but I didn't explain what I meant by that. I, I, I'm in a, a lot of different geek circles, and some of them, there's a lot of anger and, and really, really strong feelings towards the prequels uh, in a negative way. And what I would call haters. And so where I feel like the difference between hating the movies and being a hater is that, like, I definitely hate episode one. I really do. And I dislike episodes two and three. However, a hater is someone who's going to loudly profess that they hate everything about the prequels. From their existence to the Clone War cartoons to just about everything. And, in fact, they'll often go so far as to start arguments with people who like the prequels just to instigate arguments. And, you know they're they're sort of like internet trolls in that sense. You know, I well I hate the as I mentioned Star Wars Episode One and don't like Episode Two and Three. If someone else likes them, I think that's fantastic. I think everybody should have their Star Wars. So I that by that that's sort of my definition of saying that I don't think I'm a hater, but I just happen to hate some of what was there. Is that does that sort of make sense, Rob?
1: Yeah, I I had come at it from a slightly different angle. I looked at it like. The difference is, uh, to me, a hater is someone who refuses to acknowledge that there might be anything good about the thing they hate. Like, they're just like, nope, 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 it's all bad. And there are things about the prequels that are worth uh, complimenting. Um, Like you, Jag. I don't begrudge anybody who does like them. My nephew, Alex, he loves all Star Wars equally. It's all one big thing to him. Great. Good for him. Well, yeah, I'm not going to show him that. But I mean... (laughs) But I mean, that's great. I wish I could have that experience, but I don't begrudge him that he has that experience. And I don't transpose my hate for the prequels and how disappointing they were to George Lucas. I don't hate George there you Lucas. Go. That's good. I, and that to me is the difference. It's like because it, apparently George Lucas took it very personally the hate that was directed at him. And to me, that's that's crossing the line. He's a guy like anybody else. He's trying his best. He failed – I think he failed, but. He tried his best and he's done a lot of good things and he's brought a lot of joy to people's lives. So I can't bring myself to be like, oh, he effing sucks that guy. No, he tried and he just – it just didn't work. And I think it shows you that a lot of people feel the same way in the fact that he sold it off to somebody else for a new generation. And so that to me is the difference of the haters. And there are things in the prequels that I like. Even Phantom Menace, there are some bits, pieces, scenes that I like. I think a hater is someone who just is almost like luxuriating in the hate and is just like no, I it's awful cuz it is awful and that, that to me was the difference we were trying to make on the show.
0: Yeah, and I mean, episode 2, there's some scenes in episode 2 that I legitimately love. So, um so yeah, it's it's very fair. And and some people also questioned why we spent so little time talking about the prequels. And everything, and, and the, the short answer to that is that we we did express that we didn't enjoy them, and if we talked about them longer, it just would have been a bashing fest, which right, right. we don't want to do. We we were right. there to celebrate Star Wars, right? The fun.
1: show is meant to be a really fun, upbeat show, and then yeah. just spend an hour hating one part of it. Then it, yeah,
0: yep. Um, we heard from our buddy Wolfgang uh, Hearts, and he says to me, the prequels are just as good as the older movies, and when people like you say they hate them, it makes me feel like I'm some kind of freak for liking Episodes One, Two, and Three. Well, then thank. Matt Whitmore jumped in before I could even say Anything and he said Wolfgang You're not the only one who likes the prequels I'm not A fan of episode two but I really like Episode one and episode three is fantastic So thank you for jumping in there and saying that Matt and no Wolfgang you're not a Freak at all that's just your that's That's your shtick that's what you like that's your thing And that's cool and that's awesome man And I think that's fantastic for you it's just Not our thing you know yeah no one should Ever feel bad about a piece of entertainment that they Like ever Ever Okay, because well, wait. I'm going to read your quote then. Exactly what you said. Because wow. that's where the the, the yeah, other, I did. Yeah. It did
1: make an exception for Van Helsing. If yeah, you he like Van no Helsing, should... you're a terrible person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. But basically, Rob said everyone should, you know, no one should feel bad for what they like, except for Van Helsing. Except for Van Helsing. Which is where then the Sutherland comment came right. in earlier and right. it became a whole running theme about Van Helsing being discussed. A, yeah.
1: No, I, I really do truly believe that They're, because everybody comes to a piece of entertainment or art or whatever you want to call it with their own life experiences, their own emotions, and you can't um, – you can't transpose those feelings from person to person and expect them. I – you know, my uh, a friend of mine, my coworker and friend, his name is Dan, he had not seen White Christmas until – in fact, he watched it the other night because he knows I love it so much. And he liked it, but he couldn't fully grasp why I loved it so much. And I can't fully explain why I love it so much, partly because it's personal to me. And I don't, I don't want to necessarily share that with people. But it's like, I don't tell people that White Christmas is the greatest movie ever made and you have to see it. I don't say that. I say it's my one of my all-time favorites because of things that it strikes in me that are unique to me. But I would never say, no, it's going to hit the same notes for you. And then vice versa, if it doesn't, you're terrible. So, no. If you love the prequels, great, and nobody should ever feel bad about something they like, really, except for Van
0: Helsing. <laughs> it just reminded me every year I sit down to watch uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" in black in black and white. Uh, oh, well I have black and white. That you should watch it. Yeah. Yep. At. Every year I get so upset and so disappointed because my family doesn't make it through it with me. Mm. And, and I'm sitting there crying like a baby by the end of it, you know. All, all it takes is someone just make it an offhand. And any time of year, if they just go, Zuzu's paddles, I'll start crying <laughs> just like a, like a faucet. And uh, mm. so it's uh, – don't hate me because I love it.
1: Oh, no, Not at all. Uh, we got a message from Michael Charoscuro. Best name ever. Uh, ah, this was fantastic. It was a blast taking this trip down memory lane with you, Shag and Rob. When Rob discussed the cycle of hitting your teens wanting to grow up and ditching your toys and soon after regretting it and wishing you saw them around, I smiled because the same thing happened to me. I probably had as many figures as in the top photo above, which is the the photo he's referring to from um, Lucien Dessart with his uh, "Sharks for Sale."
0: Actually, including- no, I think he's talking about the. My, I think he's talking about my collection. Oh, it's over yours? Okay, because that's not- on Firestorm fan. I posted. Oh, okay, uh, right, right. Okay. I posted several pictures of my collection.
1: Okay, I, all right, including the Darth Vader carrying case, along with the Millennium Falcon and some other sets, plus most of the Superpowers and Secret Wars collections, and I gave them all away during my high school and college years. Then with an O, oh, a year of giving away the last chunk, nostalgia grabbed hold of me and regretted not having them around anymore. So thanks, Robert, for putting voice to that nostalgia regret that most of them have experienced with in relation to our old collectibles. Yeah, the dangerous age—that <laughs> that age where you're like, "I'm too cool for this shit." No, just, you're not. Just put it in the basement and ignore it, and you'll 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 thank yourself later.
0: There you go. We received a um, short. T- Oh, um, I don't know how, what, is it a manifesto? I'm not sure. From Kyle Benning, uh, basically, and it was Kyle Benning's for the defense uh, of the prequels. And let me tell you, this was considered a pamphlet. I would say. Oh, okay. It's exceptionally well written. It is really good. Kyle, you made a, a lot of really, really intelligent points, and I'm really glad someone was able to put together such a structured argument in on behalf of the prequels. And I'm going to read some bits of it here. Um, it, it, seriously, it's, it's very, very long But it's very, very good You should go out to Firestorm Fan and read it In fact, a lot of the subsequent comments were just like, oh my gosh You know, Thank you, Kyle, you, you said everything I've been trying to say So here we go He,
1: says, he did say everything
0: <laughs> He says, I think the biggest difference in the two trilogies Is the focal point of each trilogy and I think that change in focus is why the new trilogy doesn't necessarily resonate with those who have been fans since 1977. In the original movies, the focus is defeating the Empire, which is this super-powerful space dictatorship. Yeah, the Jedi stuff's in there, but it's a minor part. The Empire is the massive, technolog- technology-heavy technology dictatorship with super-weapons power- super that snuff out all who oppose it. I mean, we don't even know the Emperor himself is a Force-wielder until the last half of Jedi. So, the Emperor being a Sith Lord is only in play approximately 17% of the original trilogy he's uh, jumping down a bit here he says the defining moment of Star Wars is the explosion of the Death Star it isn't Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Vader while the Jedi versus Sith tone is ramped up in Empire and Jedi it's still not the sole focus just part of the equation Then comes the 1990s, and the first real in-depth exploration of the Force and all of its workings of the Sith vs. Jedi, all thanks to Dark Wars comics. Here's where the focus on Star Wars completely shifts. It's no longer a tale of space battles, it's a tale of the Force. It's not Star Wars, it's Jedi Wars, or Force Wars. And growing up reading that, I guess that kind of focus just goes hand in hand with Star Wars in my mind. So then he goes on to say the prequel trilogy picks up that dynamic laid out by the Tales of the Jedi series, whether it was intentional or not, and instead of the Force aspect being a part of the story, it's now almost the entire story. The focus of the Star Wars prequels was completely different. Instead of evil superweapons, space empire, it's now all about the Force. I, you know that was really interesting the way mm-hmm. he laid that mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Makes a very good point, and that may be exactly why we don't glom onto the, the prequels as much. Because he then goes in and talks about holling great things about the prequels. Specifically, he says the books are really the. It sounds like if I'm reading this right, he thought the books were probably the the adaptations were probably the best you know version of those stories. But uh, interesting, interesting thoughts.
1: One thing I don't want to see in the future films that we saw in the prequels is Jedi's flying spaceships. They look silly in their robes, flying spaceships. They look ridiculous. Like, wear a regular, si- like when Luke float flew his X-wing fighter, he wore his X-wing pilot uniform. They made a figure out of it for God's sake. He wasn't in his robes. I just I couldn't get over how silly Jedi's look flying spaceships in robes. So if we don't have any of that in the prequels, I'll be happy.
0: I could do without someone going. This party's over. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Jedi Jedi lingo. So death
1: sticks. No death stick. Just none of that. <laughs>
0: I didn't mind the Death Six. That was fun. Anyway, Count Druncula, our buddy Count Druncula, wrote in, After 106 episodes, you guys finally talk about something I care about. (laughs) He says, This was well-timed as I've been on a real Star Wars kick lately, prepping for a Star Wars role-playing game with some buddies. Fantasy Flight, the current license holders of the Star Wars RPG, have been putting out some great role-playing material with new dice mechanic that is very intriguing. Holy crap. I did not know the license to the Star Wars role-playing game had shifted from, uh, was it TSR, or Wizards of the Coast, I guess it is. I didn't know someone else had it, Now, and I did not care for the Wizards of the Coast version of it, so now I may have to check this out. I'm very interested to hear what that's about. I
1: would argue in terms of the 106 episodes, finally caring about something he talks about, I would argue Count Druncula has written 106 comments, and finally one worth reading. is this one. So.
0: Oh! I like that he didn't even care about the episode he was on.
1: No. Yeah, as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, he also wrote well the
1: prequel movies burned me on the love of Star Wars he says I make up my own Star Wars canon and it doesn't include Phantom Menace Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith my Star Wars is Star Wars which I've stopped calling A New Hope the Empire shakes back Return of the Jedi most of the Tim- Timothy Zahn novels and a handful of other books and comics Dark Empire as great as it was does not work in the same continuity as the Throne books and should be a different continuity totally agree with that mm-hmm. yep uh, we got a message from David Sopko, and he says, One last thought. My mom was so cool, when Empire and Jedi were released, she kept me home from school to see them opening day. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest thing I ever read. The first show at the local showcase cinema. Oh, yeah, well, I like the people movies what they were. They're not in the same league for me as the original trilogy. I could not get over that his mom kept him home from school to watch, to see the Star Wars movies. If I tried to sell that to my parents, they just would have... Just stared at me like I was an alien. I mean, he did that anyway, but uh, that is just amazing to me that his his mom did that. That's the cool. I I think I, I I think she retroactively earns a a, um, a Steam Award just because being the coolest mom ever.
0: (laughs) Maybe a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, maybe. Did Did I tell you how the circumstances of me seeing Jedi? Mm -mm. I kid you not. It was a fifth grade field trip. Wow. Yeah. And the way they, the way I guess they worked, that was when we came back, we all had to draw a picture of our favorite part of the movie.
1: That's awesome. That's great. That That's a really never... fun idea. Very creative, too.
0: How insane is that? How do you yeah. get away with that? How did the t- taxpayer dollars paid for me to see Return of the Jedi? Thank was
1: you. It, was it just 26 kids drawing? It's a trap.
0: No. I, oddly enough, I drew the Emperor with Force Lightning. So, yeah. tells you a little about what direction I was headed. So I uh, heard from our buddy Scott Gardner from the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. He does a podcast. I uh, used to do Star Wars Monthly Mondays. Now he does Growing Up Star Wars. And uh, his comment is just solely Hey, you don't hear me talking about Aquaman and Firestorm on my Star Wars show.
1: It's funny. I thought Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, not to Scott. I was oh snap.
0: Now Scott does work for Disney, so maybe
1: maybe Scott was part of the deal and he can't talk about it. Maybe it's one of those NDAs. I have no idea. So could
0: be. Could be. (laughs) Uh,
1: We got a comment from Gene Hendricks. "Quote: Do not speak ill of the gonk." Needs to be on a (laughs) T-shirt. I completely agree with that. I completely. I can. I can. I honestly can see the T-shirt design in my head too. I, I I might even get around to designing that one day and making it like on cafe press. Yeah, and we'll just make like twenty of them, and you can. Add, you know, if you if you send in some box tops or something, you can get one.
0: It, no, it's going to be this Kenner. Um, see, remember, you used to play Kenner points. Yeah, proof of purchase. Proof of purchase. So, now let's just be fair. I mean, ninety percent of what I say should be on a t-shirt. I mean, that's that's just a given. But she's hot. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, look at that. Classic. Classic. All right. Heard from Aaron Bias. He says, uh, Those prequels did such a number on me that I have a hard time enjoying Star Wars at all for years. On some level, they tainted my memories of a most mostly happy childhood. I feel everything from cynical distrust, I've got a bad feeling about this, for the new sequels to cautious optimism. But today, listening to you guys talk about Star Wars has rekindled in me the love I once felt. Today, you're reminding me that all the good stuff that happened because of Star Wars still happened. I still have those mem- memories and moments forever. Today, because of you, I have a new hope. Yeah. And then he uh, followed up later, he sent a message, he goes, Hey, I found a brief acknowledgement of the holiday special in an official publication. In the 1998 Dorling Kindersley Star Wars The Visual Dictionary under Boba Fett on page 50, I mean, he's like a bibliography guy here, it states, Working as a spy for Darth Vader, Boba Fett first encountered Luke Skywalker on a moon in the Pana system, where he almost tricked Luke into giving away the new location of the main Rebel base. Now, I'm not too surprised that they acknowledged the cartoon, actually, within the holiday special. Because I think that's universally accepted as being pretty good.
1: And I – well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just interrupt.
0: It, it, it gains cool points just by comparison to what it was surrounded with anyway. So. Right.
1: I think what I said on the show, and I, maybe I wasn't clear, is I, I have – I know that they have acknowledged the events of the holiday special in the Star Wars canon. Like Luke like, – uh, I'm sorry, Aaron just points out. But what I think has never been acknowledged is a chronological history of Star Wars, where the holiday special is included. That's, That's what true. I mean. That's like true. they, you know, they don't like a guy who's saying, "Hey, on May twenty fifth, the movie premiered, and then this happened, and then the toys, and then this." The holiday special is never mentioned in those corpuses. It's just skate. <laughs> the events are mentioned in the fictional universe of Star Wars, but in terms of the standing back and, and analyzing it from a a uh, cultural event the holiday special is never mentioned in any official lucas related book
0: which is interesting because i got to imagine it was probably a ratings bonanza I mean, they probably got more freaking people watching the first 15 minutes of that than, like, any show that year. The first 15, yeah. Right. And then by then, they all turned it off. In England, they have this thing called a, an appreciation index. I don't know. We may have it over here, too. I don't know. But, like, they have the ratings, then they have the appreciation index. And Doctor Who, I, that's how I, I'm aware of it, usually rates it, like, you know, around the 85% of the appreciation index. I think the Holiday Special got a 4%, probably, by <laughs> comparison. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see He also went on to say uh, Regarding Timothy Zahn borrowing from West End Games Yes But he also borrowed heavily From a couple of the sources The uh, role-playing games Borrowed from themselves The Han Solo novels By Brian Daly And the Land of Calrissian novels By L. Neil Smith Which were absent From your broadcast I'm glad he brought that up And Daly introduced The Z-95 Headhunter Fighter And I believe Smith May have been the originator Of the card game Savick So Very good points We did not mention Those novels um, I don't know if no. you've read Any of those or not No I've not I, I have I have them, and I read one or two of them many 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 years ago. The as I understand, the Lando Calrissian ones are actually pretty cool. The Han Solo ones have sort of like a nostalgic thing that people love, but I don't know that they held up all that well. But yeah, those were some of the earliest uh, expanded universe stuff. Those books, so. Heard from our buddy Diablo Frank. He said, the first time I heard the word prequel, because I, I I brought that up, I said it wasn't the word invented for Phantom Menace. He says, the first time I heard the word prequel was during the promotion of a different Lucasfilm property, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which was also a focal point for the intervention of PG-13. On the Thanksgiving episode of Marvel Superheroes, his podcast, the need for an up-aged PG grade will be discussed in relation to yet another Lucasfilm uh, That would strain Rob's words of tolerance here. (laughs) I don't know; they really understand that. But anyway, then we heard from our buddy Ryan, who on Twitter goes by Duback66. He said, "Firestorm versus Palpatine is my all-time dream matchup, or even better, dream team." (laughs) So uh, we also got tons and tons and tons of retweets and likes and all kinds of stuff for the Star Wars. Yeah, it was a
1: big, big show. It was a big show.
0: Yeah, so we really appreciate all the feedback, folks. Clearly, there's a passion for Star Wars. Uh, you know, is it worth us talking about it again sometime, Rob?
1: Well, I think we
0: absolutely.
1: May- I don't know if you mean to do it before this. We absolutely, obviously, are going to do a Force Awakens episode after we've seen it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but I meant uh, before then. Was- well, we should probably
1: do the trailer episode once they release the full trailer. We should do an episode talking about the full trailer and then then do one about the movie.
0: Okay. I could do that if if we want to get together and talk about a book or something, I'd be willing to do that too. So,
1: really? I'd,
0: I'd be thrilled to talk about Heir to the Empire. So,
1: yeah.
0: All right. So then we go to uh, the feedback for our episode 100. If you're not familiar with it, folks, episode 100 was an amazing celebration orchestrated by my good friend Mr. Rob Kelly, where we covered in depth <coughs> Justice League of America number 200 with a amazing list of guest stars who i did not list in our notes here but we're going to give it do our best to thank them right now rob uh luke giaconetti j david weeder michael bailey chris and uh his cindy, cindy franklin, franklin diablo frank. frank count druncula doug zoisha doug zoisha very John good j
1: david weeder
0: yep he got named twice look at that and he oh left.
1: yeah um well sure. ryan daly Jerry Conway Jerry Conway Yeah Oh yeah, Siskoid <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, oh, uh, oh of course
0: Siskoid from Siskoid's Blogger Geeker. Yes I'm Stalling for time Chad,
1: Chad Bogleman
0: Yes Keep naming people I'm I think that's Googling everybody. our own episode Because I'm such a bad person I think for that's everybody Lil Chad Bogleman Came on and talked about Green Lantern It yeah, was adorable I, I think we got everybody He came with his beanie cap on <laughs> Did you see it? It had a little propeller on it And everything Alright all right. <laughs> Is it obvious that I'm stalling?
1: Well, we said everybody. What are you stalling for?
0: I'm afraid we forgot
1: somebody, and that would be oh, absolutely, got everybody. Got everybody.
0: absolutely horrible if we did that. We got everybody. So. Just, just go. Just, just. Okay, we did. Okay. Yeah, we got everybody. Go. All right. But we got, wow. I mean, the amount of feedback for this particular episode alone was astonishing, from just congratulations to folks we hadn't heard from in a long time that maybe have dropped off. They came back in to say how much they enjoyed it, or how much they have enjoyed the Fire and Water podcast. A lot of heartfelt messages. One or two of them caused me to tear up. But then again, I'm a bit of a girl. so. Um, Zuzu's pedals. God damn it! Alright.
1: <laughs> I don't mean to give you a heart attack. That's what that sounds no, like.
0: I'm trying to fight back the tears. I gotta get through this. Alright. First comment here is from Lucien Dessar. He, uh, he, he wishes a congratulations, but he says uh, he asks a question. He says, Shang, now that we know what Rob's all-time favorite comic book, what is yours? That's tough. For me... Eh.
1: Which issue of Cherry Pop-Tart to pick?
0: <laughs> now, my, my... The three that come to mind... Are completely nostalgic related and probably I, like your Justice League One is. Uh, there's a lot of nostalgia based on it, but you know it could be defensible that it's it is one of the greatest comics ever written.
1: I right, I see what you're saying. Yes,
0: yes. I don't know that mine can. Um, one of them is Secret Wars, which I don't know is completely defensible.
1: Can you pick a whole series as your favorite comic though? Doesn't have to be a single comic.
0: Well, uh, well, that's where it gets tricky. I mean, Secret Wars number two was okay. n- not Secret Wars two. Not to no, be but no, but no. Secret Wars Volume 1, Number 2 Was the single First comic book I ever Bought with the purpose of collecting mm-hmm. I had Star Wars comic books But I didn't consider myself a comic book collector I was reading Star Wars mm-hmm. you know, But Secret Wars 2 was the first one I ever bought With the intention of becoming a comic book collector And it was thanks to peer pressure But I loved the shit out of that comic Mm. Um, and I love the whole Secret Wars series I read it over and over and over so that's up there Crisis on Infinite Earths is also my you know one of my huge huge favorites which is going to be covered very soon on um, Tales of the JSA which I really pissed at them for that because I wanted to cover Crisis and um, Star Wars number 50 you know those are probably those are probably the ones that I would just love to re-explore any time so okay her from our buddy Gene Hendrix. He says, uh, "I know I was late to the party, but you guys, uh, through the li- li- through the, that little listen to show called Who's Who, where the podcast has started me down the slippery slope to listening to a multitude of podcasts. From there, as you're aware, it was a short jump to recording my own show." So, yes, it's all your fault. So <laughs> Gene was nice enough to have me on his show recently. We talked about role-playing games and had a blast talking about that. That's over at the Hammer Strikes podcast. or I guess it's called the Hammer podcast. But you can Anyway, it's all over on Two True Freaks. You can find it. heard from our buddy Patrick Moe. One of the things we did right before episode 100 went up, we re-released episode 1 in the feed. So you could actually he- hear episode 1 and then episode 100. We thought that would be kind of fun. He says, just listen to the rebroadcast uh-huh. of number 1 and then your number 100... Podcast at, podcastic, that's a new word. Podcastic episode. This is one of the few podcasts I can say I had been there from the beginning. I had returned to comics with the New Fifty Two, and your podcast was the, was one of the first I started listening to. So then a question came to mind while he was listening to episode number one, and this is a dangerous thing to bring up, but I'm going to do it anyway. It says, "Outside of the books involved with Firestorm and Aquaman, what are you getting from DC in terms of their current publications?" I'll go first. Uh, As of about three weeks ago, outside of stuff related to Aquaman and Firestorm, I'm getting absolutely nothing from DC Comics. Uh, I cut the cord about three weeks ago. I realized that my emotional investment in the DC Universe, and most of the Marvel Universe in fact, had, had faded. I still love... Those characters and that universe and stuff like that—it's the find your joy thing. What I've done is I've decided, you know, what, I am not going to spend three ninety-nine on comics that I don't care about anymore. Instead, I am going to buy more trade paperbacks of old stuff. I'm going to buy more fifty-cent books. You know, like this—you know, this much lauded stack of eighty Warlord comics I've been talking about that's sitting right next to my desk. Here. Next to the sad sack. Right next to the sad—it is. It Actually, it is. It's in the same box as the sad sack. Which I loved the hell out of reading Sad Sack with my daughter, and I've been re- I've been reading these uh, X Men Forever comics from ten years ago by Chris Claremont. I mean, I, I- I'm not going to buy that many new comics. I still have Daredevil, um, Hawkeye on my pull list because those are two fantastic titles. Once Mark Wade leaves Darth Daredevil, I'm not, I'll probably stay with it, but we'll see. And um, and I'm getting the Doctor Who titles. I just wanted to support those, and they're not bad. And then I get Back Shoot Magazine. I think that's it. I don't think you know outside of the aquaman title I don't think I get anything else What about you Rob
1: Um yeah other than aquaman and aquaman and the others I don't buy any other books regularly um I don't buy anything in print anymore uh it's all digital
0: really? Uh I just, know you made that jump
1: Yeah because I just don't need to own these things Uh I mean I get the aquaman and aquaman and the others in print but anything else that I want to sample um like i bought the first the new batgirl uh batgirl number 36 with the new team on it
0: damn that was good i bought that issue yep
1: and i bought she hulk and i bought um the digital only sensation comics i was buying that but i don't buy any series regularly i don't buy justice league regularly i buy it i i will uh, if i know aquaman is in it i'll pick it up but other than that i skip it because that book just to me lost its thread a while back um so that's it. That's re- other than in terms of ongoing series, Aquaman and Aquaman and the others is is it? Because I really just have lost that. Um, You've just, lost that love yeah, and. Feeling. I have Did that that super. It, you know what I? I don't even know if just, I don't even know if I really want to go down this road because it just sounds like a cranky old fan. But um, uh, I read books at night. You know, I read like a, ch- a chunk of a book uh, before I go to bed, and I'm in between. I just finished a book. And I'm starting a new one tomorrow. And I had like a day where I was like – I only had like 20 minutes to read and I didn't want to start the new book. So I bought an issue – I read an issue of Star Wars, Marvel's Star Wars that I bought as a back issue, number 60. Hmm. And it's written by David Michelini, art by Walt Simonson and Tom Palmer. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it because it tells a complete story. A lot happens. It's part of a continued story, but it, but in and it itself has its own story. And it just felt so complete. And I don't remember the last time I bought a regular m- current m- comic that feels like a complete story anymore. There's so few where you feels like you're actually being told that something has a beginning, middle, and end. And this book had that. And it was just, like, refreshing. And I'm like, that's part of the reason I just, I'm not into modern. Now... I should expand and read more stuff outside of just DC Marvel obviously and a lot of it is I just don't have the time I don't know what's good and it's you know comics are so expensive that it's hard to experiment because then you're investing a lot of money Um, but I just sort of miss being told like a complete story now that said once Marvel starts up in Star Wars titles again, I am getting all three books, <laughs> starting with number one. I don't think I'm going to stick with all three. That seems – the odds that they're going to be able to spin all those plates is pretty remote to me. But I'm going to try. I'm going to start. I'm going to buy all three from the beginning. So,
0: And I want to be sure and, and be absolutely clear. when My feelings towards the DC Universe – I'm not necessarily negative about the DC Universe. I'm not angry about it. I went through different periods of did the whole stages of grief, perhaps. I don't know. But I'm not upset. It's just not for me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, will something happen? You know, will Convergence bring me back for a while? It might. It might not. I think it's probably too late. But, you know, I, I may try a book or two here or whatever. But it, And I certainly don't begrudge anybody who's into it. You know, when I see someone talking about how much they love what's going on in Green Lantern, I think that's totally kick ass. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yep. Yep. I I need to get out of your way. You know, instead of being Mm -hmm. the grumpy fan going, I don't like where they're going with this book, instead I'm going to go read some old Ultraverse from 1993, (laughs) love it, and say, you know what? You enjoy the crap out of that, you know, Blue Beetle or whatever book. Have fun with it. I want you to enjoy it. It's just not for me anymore. This is the first time. In 30 years I'm not getting Justice League That's a weird feeling Mm -hmm. But And I might cave In six months And be totally back in Who knows But the DC universe That my heart and soul Belongs to Is the pre-crisis DC universe And if I Mm -hmm. want to read Some of that I'll dig it out Of the long boxes
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Patrick there you go Yep uh, we got an email from Daniel Butcher, and he says,
1: uh, regarding the rebroadcast of episode number one, I think that Rob said – I think that Rob can say he won with this prediction that Johns would sync up Aquaman and Justice League since we got through one of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. That, wasn't, that wasn't a hard guess to make, but I'll take it anyway. He says, seriously, you started, you started strong, and this was a great place in the past since I had read all these titles. Thank you, library, and got to compare my notes with what you were hoping. Agent Daniel.
0: <laughs> He's from the Welcome to Level Seven podcast along yes, with, with sure Ben so. along with Ben Avery from uh who's part of the Ultraverse Podcast Network. So heard from Michael Lane. He says your choices of guest hosts were great and having Jerry Conway do the intro, OMG. I have to admit the intro was giving me chills and when it was mentioned who it was Perfect. It's corny, but as someone who started collecting in the early 1980s, you hit all the right buttons for a fanboy like me. I'm a relatively new listener to the Firewater podcast, having been roped in by the Who's Who and the DC show, but I am now a devoted follower. Hey! Yay! Happy to have you aboard. You're officially a nuclear sub, Michael.
1: That's right. Uh, we got an email, a message from Ange of the Supergirl blog. He says uh, he gives several different points regarding issue number 100. Number one, the initial recap of the Appellax issue was handled beautifully, and this was where I learned about this origin of the JLA. As Rob says, there weren't reprints or the internet to just look something up back then. I love the small touches Perez does to delineate the time period of this adventure, especially Wonder Woman's old costume and her hair tucked under her tiara, as it
0: was back then. Oh, I forgot about the hair and the tiara. That's good. Yeah,
1: I love yeah, that, that. Those three pages, man. Just, that's my oof.
0: By the way, Ange is part of the uh,
1: Legion of Super Bloggers too. Okay. Uh, we also got a message from uh, my Power Records podcast co-hoster to Chris, who does his own show with his wife Cindy, the Supermates podcast. Love that show! Please, everybody, listen to that great show.
0: And Chris was on episode
1: 100 too. Yes, he was, along with Cindy. He says, good goosebumps, gentlemen. That opening gave me goosebumps. And I knew Conway was reading the opening of the story. And I still got chills listening to him. <laughs> opening the episode with his reading was a stroke of genius. Thank you very much, Chris. I will appreciate that because I will take that was my idea.
0: I will it take. was all his. Yeah. I mean, the whole episode 200 was Rob's. I was just along for the ride.
1: So. I mean, I were lucky that Jerry suffered two fools gladly and was willing to do it. <laughs>
0: We did not really wax his car for a while there too. And we actually we got the chance to have a really cool conversation with him. We talked with him for about twenty minutes or so. Stuff that we can't use in the air, but just was really neat conversations and just yeah. it's great. Jerry's such a cool guy. Yeah. I wanna meet him at a convention so bad.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too.
0: So, Heard from our buddy Jeff R. He says uh, this story, well, he pointed out that the story was reprinted, because we were questioning about whether it had been reprinted. He said it was reprinted in Justice League of America by George Perez, Volume 2. So, And uh, he says the original plan was just to reprint only the Perez pages, but they realized that would be sillier than usual. So usual being the reprinting two parts of a three-part story. But that would issue. have been
1: crazy. That would, yeah, that's, <laughs> <my> <laughs> God, what are you kidding? What the hell am I reading? Yeah, are the pages missing here? Uh, we got a, a message from David. Daniel Cynical Adams and he says three years ago, I was stuck in a Walmart auto center waiting room while my tires are being replaced I about to move back home after an ill-advised year long stint in Memphis, Tennessee. I was browsing my Facebook feed when I saw the Aquaman's Range page, send out a request for any musicians interested in helping out with a special project. Bored and intrigued. I immediately responded. Rob Kelly, a guy I barely knew anything about at the time, pitched a ludicrously obscure podcast that would combine Aquaman and Firestorm lore. Furthermore, he needed a theme song for the podcast. It was too ridiculous a premise for me to resist, so I accepted the job on the spot. Within five minutes, I had written the lyrics. Within a couple weeks, Ashton Burge and I had music. We were excited to hear our song at the end of that first episode and humbled by the positive reactions to it. Yeah, it is that that was one of like the early things that made us really shag and I really love the show was the, those great themes. And we have the the fire and water theme and the who's who theme. We're just so perfect. And so we love that we get to run them every single episode.
0: Their, their stuff cracks me up so much. It, it's just funny because it's so different from what Daniel normally records. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have a really great, the Bad Man with James is a great, you know, hard rock band or metal band, however you want to define it. But having th- them do this lighthearted stuff is just hysterical. So he also wrote this other comment, and I just have to read this. It's a, maybe it's a bit too much patting ourselves on the back. I don't know. But it says, the show is energetic, insightful, and insightful. Uh, Often hilarious and always fun. It has inspired bonding, controversy, emotional outbursts, and solemn reflection. We've seen Aquaman rise to the height of superhero popularity, Firestorm move into the live-action realm for the first time, and an entire DC universe rebooted. We've reflected upon the past glories and blunders. We've been fortunate to spend time with wonderful creators that brought us so much joy. Gifts have been bestowed. Memes have been created. We've developed our own logo. We even have a soundtrack episode. (laughs) It's just... Wait, this is one of the messages When I read it I um, I got a little emotional So it was Thank you Daniel That really uh, Hit all the right buttons With me I guess Very nice Her from Cisco, uh, who, Cisco wait, who was on the episode He said uh, Here's what I wrote As far as uh, comments today Oh he's, he's been listening to it So here's what he wrote down He says I say Zatana. Zatanna He goes But then I'm a dirty Frenchie who used to say the X Men's teacher was Professor Xavier? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what I say, Zotana. Yeah, Zotana. Yeah. Not Xavier, no, Xavier. What the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> uh, regarding Jelly 200, we got a message from Michael Chiaroscuro again. A para-Aquaman is a sight to behold, as always. Wish I carried one lick about Red Tornado, though. (laughs) Never have, and by this point, I doubt I ever will. I think part of it is I always preferred the Vision over at Marvel. I know they aren't direct analogs, but Tornado has always suffered by comparison for me. Plus, Tornado was so downcast and mopey in most of his early JLA appearances. And the other League members didn't seem to like him much, so why should I? Yeah, I agree with that. jury jury was always trying to keep boost Red Tornado, but he did kind of make him a real sad sack, which didn't really work. Uh, to, to change uh, people's view of the character fortunately.
0: He was Commander Data before we had a Data. That's right.
1: Uh, without the fully functioning parts or whatever.
0: Hey, uh, we, we don't know a, that. He had a girlfriend. That's
1: true. We, that's true. Uh, we got a message from Kyle Benning and he full, all caps, Yes, at last, your coverage of Just League number 200, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, single-issue superhero comics. I think Showcase number 100 should be up there, too. Great touch getting Mr. Conway himself to read the intro to the story. After listening to this episode, I think this may be the single greatest comic book podcast ever. Greatest podcast episode ever. Aw. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Uh,
0: Tim Wallace, just uh, one of his comments was, damn, that Conway opening was awesome. (laughs) Heard from Diablo Frank, who also appeared in the episode (laughs) He says he liked The Super Friends Friends Transitions, which was where We put in this sound of
1: And
0: he goes, I like the Super Friends Transitions, though I suspect Through no fault of my own, I'd somehow end up On the rolls of the Legion of Doom Which, I had to read that three times till I got it, and that just cracked my ass up So he he would be a member of the Legion of Doom And he claims it's not through any fault of his own Because, you know, Frank's never tried to stir up trouble No And he said, uh, that's a really good point about pitting Zatanna against Superman and Wonder Woman against Hawkman. That would have made a lot more sense uh, than simply aligning genders and would have been more fun at the matches. Though I do think I prefer to see q Man of Steel over his amazing Amazon. Ditto on Giordano on the heroines. Her former buddy Zoom Yakinori, he says, Justice League 200 is also one of my all-time favorite issues, and I read it within a month of its release thanks to a kind uncle who brought it when he visited me in London. And he says, I was 18 at the time, but reading that book made me feel like I was 10 years old again. And Count Druncula responds, who was also on the episode, by the way, going, Whoa, whoa, whoa! You know, almost Joey from Blossom there. Anyway, whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't remember recording any of this. Where did you get my voice? <laughs> Uh, he goes on to say, "I like that comic book bait. I like that in a comic based podcast featuring twelve self described nerds. It's the one woman who uses the most blue language. You need to get Cindy Franklin on the show more often."
1: Yes, and then Chris or two Chris responded to that. Cindy had been through a really rough day prior to recording, and this resulted in saltier language and in all of our fourteen episodes of Supermates. <laughs> She, she occasionally drops something on her on her show, which uh, I think gives the lie to Chris trying to paper that over, because sometimes Cindy will say things that makes Chris – you can hear him blush on the air, even though you do not know, say it. Uh, and regarding Cindy, Michael Chioscuro chimed in. Cindy was a real hoot. I need to check out her and Chris's podcast. And good point, Zoom, Rob stood strong in the face of overwhelming logic. I think it was Shag who said that you just can't bring logic into play when you're discussing Bronje's comics. So true. And oops – I called it your 200th episode in my earlier post. Knew that it would happen due to the 200th issue of JLA being discussed.
0: Yeah, well, two, issue 200 or episode 200 of the show is not too far away. So
1: no, no, we're getting there. Oh. <laughs> I,
0: I got to renew my contract before then because I can't keep working in these conditions. But uh, Mark Baker Wright wrote, "I think those <laughs> who insist on a distinction between nerd and geek, especially if it depends on whether or not you have sex, are protesting too much." <laughs> very nice observation mark yeah I, like I think that. that's true we're from Luke Giaconetti who appeared in the episode also just finally finished up the episode and I have to say guys bravo great work from top to bottom and as I said on the show this is one of my first times reading the landmark issue and it was an absolute blast it was even more fun to hear this collection of folks on the podcast so I'm glad to be part of this Got uh, a message from Little Russell Burbage from Winnath. This this is one of the ones that I felt like was sort of emotional. That kind of got to me. He says uh, he put this on Facebook. He said, "Excuse me, as I get a bit sentimental today." Here's a picture from my friend Andy Capellish who sent it to me last month. And this is a, a drawing Andy had done of Aquaman and Firestorm, and it looks like uh, almost like a woodcutting sort of yep. image. He yep. says, awesome, ain't it? It's two characters we can directly credit for our friendship. You see, Andy and I have been friends, I'm sorry, Andy and I are friends because we listened to Rob Kelly and Shag Matthews on the Fire and Water podcast, and somehow clicked. The guys just hit their 100th episode, and listening to it, I couldn't help but think of all the friends I've made on this wonderful worldwide Wide Web thing. Mostly through them there are dozens of people literally who i've never actually met in person who i now consider friends through their posts drawings stories songs or whatever they make me smile make me laugh and yes sometimes make me cry so a huge congratulations to the aquaman shrine and firestorm fan for having the best damn cyber community out there and a heartfelt and sincere thank you to for reading this and being part of that being part of my life That uh, it's very touching, and I really appreciate that, Russell. And it just goes to show what an incredible group of people the nuclear subs are, and how they, as as Russell said, they get together, they know each other, they talk. I mean, Rob and I have now met many of you face to face. It's a wow. I mean, just this goofy little thing where Rob and I just feel like chatting, and uh, we've all just gotten to know each other because of it. So I'm really, I'm, I'm so honored to be just part of this and become friends with many of you. So, and for those of you I'm not friends with, it's because you smell. Um, Martin Gray said, uh, "As uh, he said, as for who else besides Hawkman could have taken on Superman? Well, there's another occasional JLA guest star who uh, was amply qualified: Supergirl. Interesting that she she could have been in JLA 200. That would have made sense. It
1: would have been yeah. It probably would have. I mean, it, it really had to be member new members versus old members because they weren't really having the guest stars. I mean." Supergirl was never a member, Fan of Stranger sort of was, but it would have been interesting. It would have been a neat idea.
0: They could have brought Ultra in too. Yeah. <laughs> <There he goes. laughs> I'm sure he would have screwed it all up. He would, uh,
1: totally would have. We got an email from Anthony Derso, aka The Toy Room. Great episode. Out of all the DC Anniversary issues I'd put in the JLA, uh, I, of the, the era, I'd put JLA number 200 at number one, followed by Action Comics 500, Flash 300, Detective Comics 500, Batman 400. Uh, I agree with that. I think uh, the aforementioned Showcase 100 belongs in there. That's a great, great, super fun story. Who's that? Uh, Who's that team up with? Everyone that was in Showcase to that point. Oh, cool. Even And they were, it's written by Paul Kupperberg, art by Joe Staton. Uh, they work in everybody. Aquaman, Flash, Green Lantern, Metal Men, Sugar and Spike, Fireman Farrell. I mean, just every character. It's, really, it's a really fun book. Cool. But yeah, there's just some good anniversaries. I love that Flash 300. That was a great, I bought that one
0: off the stands. That's a
1: great comic. I, I would love to cover that if we ever decide to
0: do something for our
1: 300th episode.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't know that I have Flash 300, which is, which is interesting. What's That's that? a fun book. That's a well, fun book. Well, the funny part is I have everything on each side of it, starting with like 289 to like 304 or something like that or 308 hmm. because – Firestorm and then Doctor Fate. Firestorm and Doctor Fate backups. I think yep. I just don't have three hundred because there's no backup in it, so I didn't buy it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a real. It's like a. It's a story, but also tells the history of Flash. Real. That's a really fun comment. That's cool. Uh, another message from Diablo Frank. He says, "Under a wrap. This is his version of Jelly Two Hundred, an alternate universe Jelly Two Hundred, under a wraparound cover by Michael Golden." Was the story of all past full members of the JLA being kidnapped by the Apalaxians and forced into gladiatorial combat to determine which seven members would be selected for singular combat against their own disgraced champions. The chapters included Martian Manhunter versus Red Tornado by Gene Colon, Aquaman versus Firestorm by Keith Giffen. What? Um, geez, a bunch of nine paneled pages. Um, Wonder Woman <laughs> uh, Wonder Woman versus Hawkman and Hawkgirl by Jerry Wardway. I take that. Flash and versus the Atom by Steve Ditko. I don't know that's out of left field. Green Lantern versus Green Arrow and Black Canary by Mike Grell. That, mm-hmm. I totally buy that. Yeah. Batman versus Elongated Man by Marshall Rogers. That's an interesting combination. Yeah. And then the Peace Day Resistance: Superman yeah. versus Atana by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Crazy Pre- name. name. Wow. That would, that would have been amazing. That would have been an amazing book.
0: Well, so you I know, do if want to go to that alternate universe to read that. If, if you mention any one of those team ups and put Jose's name on it, it's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we've got lots of little you know, quick sound bites here. Um, Michael Lacroix said the first three minutes of episode 100 was wow. We got thank, you know congratulations from like folks like Zeb Aldwalt, uh, Jimmy McGlinchey, Moise Gamin, Dupont, Matt Bergen, Aaron Bias said. I have to say that although I'm a big Brian Bolland fan, in the absence of Neil Adams, I would have gone with Trevor Von Eden. He had also done a considerable number of Green Arrow and Black Canary in World's Finest, and I much prefer him over Mike Grell. Hmm. Interesting. Heard from Daniel Cynical Adams. He said, uh, he promoted us. He said, you know, oh, no, I'm sorry. I got that completely wrong. He said, in case you're wondering, JLA 200 is featured in the 100th episode of the Fire & Water Podcast, is available on Comixology app for $1.99. Well worth it. Yeah. And then uh, now we're getting into the list of names here, folks. Okay. First off, I want to mention the folks who actually took the time to promote us on their own Facebook page, meaning they did a, pay, a post about our show either on their fan page or their wall or whatever. Folks like Cord Industries, Ultron is My Elvis, Ciscoid, Randy Caldwell, Dan Kurtzky. Russell, I'm sorry, uh, Lucas Garrett, Mike Peacock, Chad Volkman over on Laner and Cast, and Jay Jones on the Captain Adam Facebook page. Appreciate that. Okay, here we go. Well, the people who liked it and you know did did different things, you know, promoting or thanking us on or telling us congratulations us on Facebook is over a hundred names long. So uh, strap in, it's not a short list. But, again, it just goes to show all the folks that are so involved with the show and are, are, are a piece of it. I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but here you got Anthony Otero. This might be the only time his name gets mentioned on a podcast, but you know what? He is just as much a part of the show as anyone else, and we want to be sure we get those folks' names out there and just say thanks. This is our way of saying thanks.
1: All right. Let me, I'm going to get a sip of water here. Go for it. Uh, A.J. <laughs> Chowaster, A.J. Hoekstra. Abel Padilla, Adriano Mello, Alan Middleton, Albert Miranda, Alex Giles, Alexander Adrock, Andrew Colvick, Andrew Luckett, Andy Capellish, Andy Maples, and Jetholo Stiviz, S-T-V-Z. That's a mix of Piddles like name if I've ever heard one. (laughs) Anthony Durso, Anthony Guterro, Anthony Trujillo, Ari Ismed Jr., Arthur Canning, Bill Beavitt, and Bill B.B. Netman, Bailey, Billy Penn, Bob Fisher, Brad O'Leary, Bradley Austin Null, Callum Nauher, Carlos Gumerez Carlos Muga, Carlos Rodriguez, Chad Agarbright, Charlie Niemeyer, Chris Tyler, Christopher J. Warden, Christopher Luke, Cindy Franklin, Clark Kent, Shadowman, Daniel Barber, Daniel Soto Adams, David Ace Gutierrez, David J. Dixon, David Sabko, David Walker, DC Comics Fans, Facebook group, Debbie Rangel, Rangel. Devin Johnson, Dominic Bouchard, Devin and Donovan Morgan Grant, Earth Destruction Directive, Eric Rex Peterson, Falco Dalke, Gene Hendricks, Gene Carlo Nerco, Greg Barr, Hector Negrete, Ivan Gomez, James A. Witham, Jason Pope, Jeffrey Brown, Jeffrey Taylor, Jimmy Glinche, uh, Joel Riviera, John Godwin, John Nelson, Jorge Chavez, Jose Rivera, Julian David Acuna Acosta. That's fun to say. Kuna Keith, Matata. Yeah, <laughs> Keith <laughs> G. Baker, Kevin Deemer, Kevin Hommel, Kenneth Spicer, Kevin Culp, Keir Rogers, Kyle Benning, Lucas Garrett, Luke Dobb, Mark Macbird, Majid Dinjal, Mark Nito, Matt Ev, Max Romero, Michael Bailey, Michael Campo Chiaro, Michael Wagner, Michael Fettick, Mike Gillis, Mike LaCroix, Mike Peacock, Mike Salt, Moyes Gammon Dupont, Oli Amadea, Oscar Olade. Philip Hodesh, Paul Rua, Randy Caldwell, Randy Meyer, Ronnie Ling, Russell Burbage, Ruth Sutherland, Ryan Daly, Sean N. Curry, Sean Brock, Simone Malarkey, Namer of Salty, Siskoid, Steve Atwell. Who's
0: the Namer of Salty? Huh? Who's the Namer of Salty? Simone Malarkey.
1: All right. She came up with the name. Siskoid, Steve Atwell, Steve Greenwood, Steve Morell, Tim Wallace, Victoria Sears, Galatanis, William Byrne, William Estep, Ilderay, Sinar, and Deb Oswald.
0: How cool is that? Over on Google Plus, we got a few folks that also promote us on their G Plus page. Rory Williams, Crusader Media, which is my buddy Kane Dower from the uh, Ultra Force podcast. And uh, Andy, um, I, I should be able to say his last name now, but I, I can't. But backed, Uh he hosts the Flash podcast. So, and I've appeared on his show a few times, so thank you for that. <laughs> Dale Russell said something which is pretty funny because, you know, it was our 100th episode. He said, wasn't Firestorm canceled at issue 100? <laughs> Sort of implying that fire and water was going to get the axe at that too point. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> it, it will always be too soon. So, so uh, just want to say thanks to some other folks over in Google Plus: Alexander Osias, Black Canary fan, Blue Tyson, Bubblegum Punk, Carlos Alam- Alamillo, comic book and movie reviews. Dale Russell, Eric Defractus, Gene Hendricks, Jeff Nelson, Jared Gray, Juan Manuel Payden, Carl Brusses, Keith Kichi Baker, Kevin Culp, Luis. Al Vizio, Luke Giaconetti, Martin Score, Mary Ellen Montend, Max Romero, <laughs> Michael Wagner, Rasheen Washington, Rory Williams, Stephen Shend, Tim Wallace, and Vance Highstand. Do you remember the old days when we started this show and I'd mention Google+, and you would just laugh and laugh and laugh at me?
1: People seem to laugh more then.
0: <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Then over on Tumblr... Some other folks who promoted us, which thank you so much on their own Tumblr page. Life's left turn, uh, sorry, life's left turn. Gabriel Peralta, Mister Perturbed, and Kichi Baker. Also, some for- folks who showed us support over on Tumblr: Landrew72, It's Dark Time Cop, C Wayne1031, The White J M Kelly, uh, Green Fanturn, and Paul Loves Comics. Then over on Instagram, we got some support from uh, that creative guy. He said, Heard it last night before bed, even went along while listening with my new with my JLA 200. The Jerry Conway intro rocked. Congratulations on the 100. And Bradley Null said, Love the episode, love this comic, love this panel. Which was uh, the JLA running straight forward at you. Yeah.
1: Uh, we also got support from these people on Instagram Full Metal Ninja, right? <laughs> oh, Full Metal Ninja, actually. Reggie, DC, Dill, Quan A, Rachel, Cyan, Princess, Buck Rallette, Buck Roulette, Buck Rowlett, J.D. McLean, Sympathy for Me, Andres, Corcole, Max Romero, Lucas Zork, Jose, Sierra Hernandez, Tattooist, Puppet, Aaron Zones, Keith Samra, John B., C.J. Hooper, 39,000 Batman fans, can't be wrong, Justin Williams, <laughs> Cody, John M., Benjamin D., Bradley Null, Dallas Campus, Robert Penn, William Estep, Joe, Professional, Amateur, A. Helson, Ben Vogel, Bailey Ewing, Kichi Baker, Raphael by Design, Mr. Toy Guy, Loli Lalo, Chuck Rodriguez, Point of Geeks, Alberto Gomez, Alexander Rock, Series Killers, and Lucas – I'm sorry, Luis Solano.
0: Awesome. Um, Our buddy David Gutierrez just commented how great the Jerry Conway intro was. Luke Dobb wrote on there on on Twitter – I'm sorry, this is over on Twitter. He wrote one minute into episode 100 of the Fire and Water podcast and it's already thrilling – which is great. That was nice to read. Then strap in, folks. Here is the Twitter responses. Uh, folks that, you know, retweeted us, favorited us, you know, whatever. Talked about the show. Uh, here we go. Here de Tontieres. Uh, AI, Alexander Adrock, Andreas Garcia, Andy Beckett, Ange, Anthony Durso, Archie, Batman. Oh, look at that, Batman. Right. Brian, Brian Rossiter Jr. Bruce Wayne. Uh, see how he did that? He tried to trick us. <laughs> Carlos. Cash Flag. Chad Bokelman. Sorry, that's little Chad Bokelman. Cody Fretchi. Comic Geek Speak. Comic Reflections. Count Druncula. Dave. David Golden Artist. David Gutierrez. David Johnston. Derek Holtum. Diablo Frank. Dread. Uh, the Sutherlands. Dustin Stauffer. Eric Sean. Fandom. Felix Cancelo. Uh, Francis... Koyahiga, I said that wrong. Oh well, I said a lot wrong. A lot of these wrong. Gary Goose, Jerry Conway, Ghoul Daddy, Green Blogger, Greg Russo, Hector Negrete, In Enough Bands, J. David Weeder, J. Sinison, Jacob Torres, James Girton, Jasmine Yancey, J. Bamberhill, Jeff Libby, Jeff Viad, Jimmy McGlinchey, Johnny D. C., Joseph Jackson, J. Slab 425. <laughs> Keechie Baker, Ken Homel, Industries, Leo Cohen, Lauren Skinsis Art, Lori, Loretta Schrump, Luke Dobb, Luke Giacconetti, Mark D'Amore, Martin Gray. Hey, top of the morning to you. Michael Wagner, Michael Whitehead, Michelle Moreland, Misty Hewitt. I'm going for all the old callbacks here, you notice that? Um, Moldwitch, Oliver Dant, Omar S. Hendricks, Paul Bowler, Pedro Agnosto, Ray. Red Eye Jedi 83 Rolled Spine Podcast Roy Phillips Sean Dulaney Sean Izaki Shannon Eric Denton Silver Age Sensations Siskoid The Action Room That's what they call my bedroom The Flash Podcast The Lantern Cast The Prince of Hope The Underground The V-Crew Comics Tom Panerese Tony D Viznu Galan Zoom Yakinori And Floto Span And not one Slipknot reference in the bunch See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah, pretty clever. All right. Now, folks, we have some Steam Awards to give out. Yes, that's right. Steam Awards. These are given out to folks that go above and beyond and do something absolutely amazing to either help promote the show or help promote the character of Aquaman or the character of Firestorm or just do something that tickles our fancy. So uh, this time out there were two folks that created original artwork specifically to celebrate the 100th episode of the show um, one is by someone over on Tumblr who goes by the name Nekamoto and
1: Nekomeko created...
0: what is it you Neko. said
1: Nekamoto oh yes. Yeah. Nek- Nekameka
0: thank you you're absolutely right i'm i'm a... don't take offense to that Nekomeko, cuz if you've listened to the show you know i don't pronounce anything right anyway so it's nothing personal so created this really cool. It's a circular piece and the top half is sort of dedicated to Firestorm. The bottom half is dedicated to Aquaman. So the coloring on the top is sort of orangies and uh, orange colors. The bottom half blue. But there's this adorable Firestorm and an adorable Aquaman on the page and it says the Fire and Water Podcast. And, and Nekameka has done a lot of these little Firestorm drawings. So, it looks, I don't know, it always kind of reminds me of that JL8 comic strip, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: And it we'll get some anime in there. Yeah.
0: It. And uh, he's done several of these little shots of Firestorm, like recreating like the Killer Frost cover from issue number three and different things like that. So lots of fun. Really adorable, adorable shot. I love it to death. Why don't you walk us through the next one, Rob?
1: And then the other one is from Zoom Yukinori, who we all know is super talented when it comes to that. He sent us a a full-on comic cover from the 1980s because it's 50 cents. And it's uh, the Fire and Water podcast. Recreating the DC Comics Presents logo. It's F&W, the Fire and Water podcast, Aqua Rob and Fire Shag featuring us taking on uh, an invasion from the Vegas system. Um, <laughs> it is deeply disturbing seeing my ugly mug and Beldar cone head like head on top of Aquaman's body. That said, I am ripped. I mean, yes, you, you made are. me ripped. So I do appreciate that. And, uh, and then there's a bonus feature plus, Darkseid goes on a road trip. Tassad. Oh, you do. You should do the voice. Tassad, Kalabak, get in the van.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, Talk is... about deeply disturbing. The shot of me wearing Firestorm's cowl. And my literally bald head showing through on fire is, yeah. is gave me nightmares. Yeah,
1: it is. <laughs> we are not getting any shampoo sponsorships. <laughs> None at all.
0: But the but the the lice you know protection companies love us. So, yeah. But uh, it's this thing is just such a hoot, and his artwork is just amazing. I mean, just amazing. So great that firestorm shot. I mean, I actually had to sit there and question. I'm like, is that a, from a firestorm cover, maybe? And I'm not
1: knowing it. Zoom is a great mimic of other people's styles as well as doing it his own on his own stuff. But I mean, he he is really good at. If you've seen that the line that he's drawn thing, he's able to mimic different. Sorts of styles pretty effectively where it looks pretty dead on, and this, you know, short of the fact it's got two giant bald guys on it, you would be hard <laughs> pressed to not know this is a comic from 1981 or something. Right.
0: Like well, I like that Aquaman also has the powers from like the comic book where he powers he doesn't actually have, which is even in the better. cartoon. Yeah, he's got. Yeah,
1: the, yeah he can do world powers. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: <laughs> so great, definitely. I, both I long to get in that kind of shape. Oh, my gosh. Both of these guys, uh, Nekameko and Zoom, are absolutely Steam worthy. Congratulations. It's a hell of an honor to win a Steam Award. <laughs> to win a Steam Award for the 100th episode, that's some kind of special. So, guys, just know your Steam Award is on its way. And when you receive it, just remember, it's as tangible as Steam itself. Yep. So keep it with you close at night, and it'll, it'll keep you warm. So, Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm really touched. And by all the feedback... It's been absolutely wonderful. It's been a great trip. I'm looking forward to at least another three or four episodes. Um, Maybe five, six. We'll just see. <laughs> I don't know. My heart's not really in it anymore.
1: But um, I gotta get at least one more
0: Bob Haney episode. Oh, I, I was just thinking about that because you know we've done a couple now of the what happened, happened tos, to yeah. but we haven't done the next Haney episode. I want to do that one with with uh, was it Batgirl and Wonder Woman where they just quit and become fashion models or whatever yeah. it was. Somebody told us about a lot to pick from. I want to read that so bad. So, um, Rob, why why do you tell the folks at home where they can uh, email us?
1: Fire, water podcast at comcast.net and fire and water podcast.tumblr.com.
0: Yep. And so definitely check those out. You can also find me at firestormfan.com and you can find me on the social medias under uh, the handle Firestorm Fan on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, and Instagram. My good friend Rob can be found uh, at Aquaman Shrine.net. You can also find him under the same handle of Aquaman Shrine on Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus. Woof. Well, um until next time, I think it's uh, fair to say, fan the flame, flame. and ride the wave. Bye. Aqua. On land and air, Firestorm and Aquaman they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! But most of all, Ronnie's alive. I saw him, Cisco. A time to connect with old friends. Ronnie! I'm not Ronnie. Robbie Amel guest stars. Firestorm? Huh?